This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce made especially for you. You can find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. It's also sponsored by South Florida Allied Health, located in Boca Raton, Florida, specializing in men's health, women's health, medical weight loss, IV therapy infusion, testosterone therapy, and hormone replacement therapy. Florida residents only. Well, here we are. Episode 89. And on this episode, no Jack, but I have two of the best utility players in the game, Mark Smith and Lou Colicchio from the Music Relish Podcast. They cover all the bases. We're going to talk about some uh, recent music news and whatever else pops up on our radar along with top 10 this week in I don't know what year this day in music and birthdays and that's it show's over so sit back and enjoy the show five four three two one Zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. The KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction as usual. Welcome to the podcast. You know the name. I'm not going to say it. Streaming live right now over, I don't know, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, DLive. We're streaming live everywhere. If you ever want to catch a show, it's usually about 745 on Wednesday nights. If you want to catch it live, there is a YouTube channel, Milk Crates and Turntables YouTube channel. Just type in Milk Crates and Turntables. I don't think there's many of those. And uh, that are going to pop up in the search. And yeah, yeah. So tonight, uh, there's no Jack, and that's okay. Uh, it's, it's, It's his contract. It's his new contract. I need my time off. I need a break. You know, I we didn't do one for three weeks. Didn't do a podcast for three weeks. We do one last week, and all of a sudden, he needs a break again. It's like, really, Jack? I, he uses, it's under the guise of work. I have to work. But I don't believe you. I, I think Jack's just being a prima donna. That's what I think. I think he's he's trying to uh, you know he's it's a power play. I think it's a power play. But you know what I used to fight that power play? Mark Smith with the News Brother Podcast. Hey. Enough of that. 
What's up, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? Well, I'm doing good now that you're on. You're actually on the podcast right now, and not in the audience, <laughs> causing trouble, being a rabble rouser. Oh, I'll stop and a doing shit that. Stirrer. Oh, last week you were just <laughs> you were having all sorts of fun at my expense. I my guitar add. is far away. Don't yeah, worry. yeah. Oh, it better be, buddy. <laughs> and do not think, do not think. There will not be a retaliation at one point in time or another because this host does not forget. <laughs> I do not forget that easy. But uh, we're waiting for Lou. Lou is having a bit of a technical difficulty. Um, I sent out the search party. We're looking for him. And, and now, if I remember correctly, we did this about a month, maybe a little over a month ago. Uh Oh, five weeks ago, because I was off at three, and we did one with Jack before I left, and I think it was the week before that that we did one in Lou. <laughs> Lou, once again, he was on, and then his, his system started getting a little funky, and then all of a sudden he was gone, right? Yep, yeah. Didn't that happen again? That was a reboot, a reboot. There's something yeah. with his computer. It just automatically reboots. It's like <laughs> an Apple phone. It tells Lou. you what to do. Yeah, yeah. Poor <laughs> Lou. I Get this thing in. Oh, hold on, hold on one second. Hold on one second. All right. What kind of hat are you going to put on? Now I got to get my guitar. No, no, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I made Stop. you run faster than Don't you've ever run it. in your life. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it, Nikki. Don't do it. <laughs> right? I got a good Grateful Dead song to play. It'll take about 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> and that's just the intro. That's just the intro. So, um, yeah, so this week we're just going to kind of shoot the shit. I got uh, some cool. news stories. And uh, Lou has a... Uh, we we were talking last night, and Lou has a story that I, I, I'm interested in hearing about his father and uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. So mm. I, I, I'm hoping he he was on. It's just his his camera wasn't working, so his audio was fine, and so he's like, "I'll just reboot." And that was ten minutes what, ago. Did you ever see Interstellar? That movie? <laughs> he's in another dimension right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, worst case scenario, he could call in. I'll tell him that, you know? Oh, he does not want to do a phone. He, uh, Lou, he, I think he's got PTSD from doing we, phone in podcasts. All three of Both us. Of you. <laughs> Both of you. All three of you do. Yeah. If I talk to Perry on the phone, it's like we're stepping on each other, like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> horrible memories. Yeah. So, uh, let me see. I got, uh, let's, let's jump into this one. All right, I got some, some like I said, some news stories that will. First of all, how's everything going? Everything good with you? Wow, great. Yeah? Doing good. All Enjoying right. a nice balmy winter here outside of New York City. Yeah, yeah. You got your wine with you tonight? Yeah, I got a new vintage or a new brand. Okay. I think it all cost right. me $15. <laughs> Big spender. <laughs> oh, hey, listen. Is that a ukulele hanging up next to you in the background? That is actually a guitar it can't be played but 
it's from Ecuador, and my ne- my my wife's nephew brought it back, and he just thought it was cool. He saw it down there, and I said, "Hey," and he kind of stringed instrument from another country, right? So I kind of hung it up. You know? But it can't it can't be played. No, no, it's it's more of a prop than anything else. Ah, okay. Like just what the strings are just it's yeah, not tunable it's like show and... strings and stuff. Yeah, I don't oh, even think okay. you can tune it. I also have a really small one, like. I can't believe I'm saying I have a really small one like this big and it's got real <laughs> strings on it. So, you know, I'm going to take that clip now and put that on like TikTok. And <laughs> But I was like this. I was like yeah, this. Oh, wait, TikTok is, is a visual. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I could I could edit that out. I can just do the oh, audio. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, here we go again with this whole journey thing. Oh, yeah. I, if this is not the ultimate uh, 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 soap opera. So it says, uh, Neil Schoen backtracks on Journey Tour with Greg Rowley. All right. So it says, uh, the feud between Neil Schoen and Jonathan Kane has taken another turn as Schoen responds to reports that original keyboardist Greg Rowley won't return for Journey's 50th anniversary tour. The road trip begins on January 27th, which it's already began, evidently. It's an older article. Uh, with Sean and Kane engaged in several legal battles against each other. Sean previously confirmed Rowley's return, while Kane insisted that he'd remain with the group despite their issues. Reports that Rowley won't be taking part were based on a subsequent comment by Sean himself, who'd been asked if the former member quote, won't be on tour now, and replied, not at this moment. Both Greg and I intend to shed some real light on the subject very soon. So when that quote was shared by multiple news outlets, Sean wrote, this is going out to all the media and all your postings today that Greg Rowley is out false. Where would you get this information? Well, (laughs) he answered the question, right? Yeah. (laughs) He answered the question, not at this time. He says, ex-managers, question mark, PR stunt again. He separately appeared to blame Kane for the story, saying, I don't belong to the dictatorship of JC. Now, JC stands for a journey. I think that's their LLC or something. uh, I forget the name. It's not that, but that was Neil Sean saying that. Yeah, yeah, he said, I don't belong to the dictatorship of J.C. Oh, Jonathan Cain. Jonathan Cain, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple LLCs, and that's the root of it. I'm sure you've investigated it, too, going back. Uh, Jonathan Cain said that Neil was going crazy with the credit cards, and he cut him off, and and uh, Jonathan Cain's wife was getting involved. And, you know, I it, look, at my part, my heart of it, it's it's – it's Neil Sean's group. He started it. So I, I'm on the side of Neil, but you know, he started an LLC right. with Jonathan Kane and he wrote those songs, those big songs. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I did read something else that he had blamed, uh, Jonathan Kane for not paying people. Jonathan Kane says, Neil Sean was basically on a spending spree, uh, however it went. But, you know, fingers are pointing. So how awkward is that 
Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm sure they have different tour buses. Yeah. They have different dressing rooms. They meet at rehearsal, right? Mm-hmm. And sound check, as they call it. And uh, then they kind of go the separate ways, and they're on stage, and they just do their thing, collect their money. They probably I mean, each have their own little, yeah, yeah. It's crazy what money does. So how do you think, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, uh, Panetta deals with that? The, the lead singer what's his first name uh arnell arnell arnell, arnell. how do you arnell, arnell. how do you I think, think he deals with it? it i actually feel bad for him because <laughs> you know he he's he's might be the longest surviving singer of journey at this point because uh he's been in for quite a while and That's most point Look That's at Steve point. Perry. Steve Perry's voice gave out, basically. The guy, the poor guy that was before Arnell. I can't remember his name, but I really liked him. Uh, Jeff he, Scott Soto. Oh, no. he That's right. He was in there. But the guy that actually the recorded the two guy albums. from the tribute band, right? With the long he, hair. Yeah. he. I liked him because he didn't try to copy Steve Perry totally. He had his own sound. And he said one day, he said, the guy's like, I have a little voice problems. You're like playing five days a week. And they said, all right, you're out. And they, they, they're hard touring bands. So I, yeah. I always I thought you got the short end of the stick, but Arnell has survived and, yeah. and he's singing better than ever. He sounds really good. So, he, you know what? He lives in the Philippines. He recorded his vocal tracks for the last album in the Philippines. So he's got distance. Yeah. He's got that. But when they're on tour. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like how awkward is that? You know, they might all just be together for the five minutes before they go on stage. It's the only time that they're there together without. But he has to bounce him. between them because they're, sure. you know, and uh, I'm sure they don't try to put him in the middle. Uh, hmm. Filipinos, uh, I can speak firsthand for that by nature, are very nice people, you know, yeah. they, uh, and, but he knows his worth now. I'm sure he is not naive. I think he figured out his worth to that group a long time ago. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he's established now. Yes. And I I read that. I can't say where I read it, but I remember them. They were, when he first joined the band, like he jumps around a lot. He's a jumper. He's all over the stage. And one of the guys or the manager said, I had said this. Yeah. yeah, You said he had toned it down and he said, no. And he still does it. What are they going to do? Kick him out? They're not going to get anybody else like that. Steve Perry would, he'd he'd move around back and forth. But Arnell is like, all over the place yeah like he's jumping steve perry would do that like that fast walk across the stage yeah. you know side to side but i saw them in uh, west palm beach and he was he was he was all over the place mm. you know yeah and um, he's happy he's so he, you could see he's he's really enjoying what he's the doing the way he does it that's right yeah that's how he yeah. that's how he conducts business so i came up with these other things these 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 2022 kind of rock feuds so let's go let's go through some of the i wish lou was here i hope he pops back on i'm sure he is cussing it out right now yes he is i'm, I'm sure, sure i can he hear is. it from here in north uh, carolina yeah yeah so um so you have andy cohen versus journey right <laughs> so andy cohen so uh, uh let me let me read this they're, they're quick uh like you know uh explanations of of the feud so Uh, The year got off to a loud and inebriated start when TV personality Andy Cohen let the world know what he thought about Journey's modern lineup. The band was at New York's Times Square to perform on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. Uh, Let me see. Ryan Seacrest uh, aired live on ABC. 
Cohen, meanwhile, was on hand for CNN's New Year's Eve coverage, and he had thoughts even though his network didn't broadcast the band's performance. He said, Journey is appearing on ABC. If it's not Steve Perry, it's not Journey. (laughs) (laughs) Cohen told co-host Anderson Cooper before once again proclaiming loudly, it's propaganda, not Journey. The following morning, Guitarist Neil Schoen responded to the incident with a simple tweet, F the haters, we are great. <laughs> Good for Neil. Because yeah. I don't know if Andy Cohen has heard Steve Perry. I have his latest album. He still sounds good, but he's not going to be able to ever sing with Journey again. He can't. Yeah, he, yeah. he couldn't hold that up. Uh, yeah. So the next one is somebody I just mentioned a minute ago, Journey versus Jeff Scott Soto. Mm. Okay. So, old wounds were ripped again when Jeff Scott Soto, Journey's vocalist from a mere 2006 to 2007, said he was never given a reason why he was let go. Quote, if I was told why I was fired, if I was told, you know, if I was told your vocals suck, if I was told I killed one of the guy's dogs, if I made somebody in their family angry, if I was told the reason why I was fired, I could make peace with it, he explained. But to this day, 14 years later, whatever it is, I don't know. I don't have the answer. In a Facebook post, Neil Sean initially responded by saying the band was, quote, not sold on Soto, being the lead singer, noting that his vocal style didn't sound right. As fans continued debating the subject for weeks, Sean said he told Soto, why he was fired at the time. It's not my problem. He can't accept it, Sean said. This is all just rehearsed, uh, rehashed rubbish for PR. Maybe because we just played uh, to 50 million all over the world on New Year's Eve on ABC. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, you know, I think that there's a lot of sour grapes. I think Scosotto thought he had the gig. And if you're a singer and you think you have the journey gig, you're just ecstatic. But I, I don't know if you know Soto's history. He's really a he's a heavy metal singer. He started off with Ingve Malmsteen, and he had that classic, almost a Dio type vocal style. Oh, but yeah. he does R and B. He's an he's an incredible vocalist. But I don't know about the high notes. Maybe you know it's a totally different style. I think than they were looking for. And it sounds like he said on what Neil Schoen said on Facebook is probably why they let him go. Oh yeah, I don't know. They're very particular. Know. Neil, it's Neil's band. <laughs> or, or, is it? yeah. or is it? Or is it? Or is it Jonathan Cain's band now? You know? Who looks Maybe. bored every time I see them playing. Jonathan Cain looks like he just wants to sleep. Uh, it's just, there's no yeah. fire there. <laughs> Keyboard player, though. Keyboard player. <laughs> what, what can he really do? You know? Um, that's like uh, uh, Vince Clark. You know, Vince Clark left Depeche Mode in uh, 1981 and he he kicked around a few uh you know uh different uh you know uh uh not groups that he that he played with or he put together but then he came up with Yazoo and Allison Moyer um I just posted a video of her earlier she was an 80s hottie Allison Moyer from from Yazoo in England Mm -hmm. but Yaz over in in America she was she was a hottie in the eighties. I had a you know, promo poster of her. My buddy at Sam Goody gave me. Nice, dude. Yeah, nice. Um, 
she ended up with uh the same thing that happened with what's her name from uh from hot um nancy wilson nancy wilson yeah yeah you know she had kids i guess and that changes a woman's body i i I witnessed it firsthand with uh shirley manson when i saw garbage this this summer but she's still shirley manson i've said this a couple times she's still a fucking rock star yeah absolute rock star and allison moyer is still a fucking amazing voice amazing Mm. voice uh so vince clark leaves you know they they break up allison moyer goes on to have a very successful solo career vince clark kicks around kicks around kicks around uh, a lot of experimental stuff. Like he's really into the, like he is, I, I, I'd say he could be the godfather of, of electronica because the guy was just always uh, upping the ante on, on what he was learning and, and what he was putting out. And so then he comes up with erasure and uh, what's his name? Uh, Bell, Andy Bell, the lead singer just happens to sound exactly like Alison Moyet, <laughs> which is amazing, right? Yep. Um, it's funny. I posted a, 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 a quick clip of uh, Yazoo or Yaz with Alison Moyet today, and somebody commented that this whole time they thought that was a guy. I think it's Move Out is the name of the song. I think so, yeah, yeah. And they they thought, oh my God, all this time I thought it was a guy with a deep voice. Uh so what he does, and I'm getting to the Jonathan Kane thing, is Vince Clark now with Erasure, and they've been around for 30 years. Um that's all he does. He he just stands there. It became his kind of stage persona to just stand there just yeah. like uh uh what's his name from pet shop boys um i forget the keyboard player's name but uh yeah the keyboard players how much can you really do you, you, know? you know who was funny remember when yes reformed with trevor rabin the 90125 owner of a lonely heart oh, tony yeah, yeah. k he was one of the first guys that had a keyboard first of all he was playing one keyboard he wasn't doing the keith emerson thing and he would twirl around. He would be dancing. It was funny looking because he had white hair, you know, and he'd be dancing around. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, you do have, like, Trent Reznor with the, with the rocking. A lot of them had this rocking kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. synthesizer, too. So, But that's that type of music. You know, that's that genre. I don't know, you know, his journey. Plus, how old is the guy? <laughs> how old is yeah. Jonathan Kane, right? 70? Right, I don't, I don't know about that. Sixty-eight. They're in their sixties. Neil Sean's yeah. definitely older because he was yeah. a Woodstock. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So next we have an interesting feud. This is this one. I I didn't see this one uh, coming, or I didn't see it while it was happening. But evidently, Eddie Vedder had a feud where it says Eddie Vedder versus of all people. Nikki Six from Motley Crue. <laughs> so it says the nineties grunge revolution put many eighties glam rock bands out of business, which is true. I always say Nirvana killed Loverboy. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how I kind of put it, right? Yeah. Nirvana killed Loverboy. Uh, decades later, it seems some of the biggest acts from both sides still harbor ill will. Girls, 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 and Motley Crue. Uh 
Fuck you. I hated it. So this is a quote from uh, from Eddie Vetta. It says, quote, girls, 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 and Motley Crue, fuck you. I hated it. Pearl Jam from in Eddie Vetta told the New York Times in February. February. <laughs> I hated how it made the fellas look. I hated how it made the women look. It felt uh, vacuous. Right? Is that the right word? Vacuous? vacuous. Maybe. I'm from Jersey. V-A-C-U-O-U-S? Vacuous, right? Uh, it felt vacuous. Naturally, because Eddie is a sensitive man, evidently. Eddie is a sensitive guy. Well, he, he drinks wine. Seattle. So do you. Are you... <laughs> Don't get just, on me, Scott. You don't okay. get me. Don't hurt my feelings. Don't, don't. I'll I'll put myself in the green room. Do you really want to hurt me? Wah, wah. Uh, he says, um, I hated how it made the fellows look. I hated how it made the women look. It felt so uh, uh, vacuous. Naturally, crew bassist Nikki Six didn't take kindly to Veta's statement. Quote. Made me laugh today reading how much the singer in Pearl Jam hated Motley Crue. <laughs> he tweeted that out. Now, there's a quote. Uh, now, considering that they are one of the most boring bands in history, oh. it's kind of a compliment, isn't it? <laughs> we'll say one thing now. Eddie Vedder's in much better shape than Vince Neil. <laughs> oh, yeah, but Nikki Six is a big boy. Yeah, he, he I don't think he people is. realize how big Nikki Six is. Yeah. He's like six two or something, isn't he? Him and Tommy Lee, they're both tall guys. Yeah, but but Nikki Six is a big he's not skinny like Tommy Lee. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um so he says, uh uh, let me see. Weeks later, Pearl Jam guitarist Stone Gossett diffused things slightly, revealing in an interview that he was a Motley Crue fan. Quote I bought my first Motley Crue album on leather on uh yeah leather records. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was like it was punk like it was like Motorhead. There were things about it that I was discovering about British hard rock. At the same time, that felt also like rebellious or against the norm or something that made me interested in it. And I always liked heavy. So it it was a good debut. Like I'm not a Motley Crue fan, but that and shout out the devil. I do like those records, but that first one. He said that, and I had it too, at the same point in my life, I was like, this is different. I like it. It's punky, but it's got more talent than punk, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I can still listen to it, but uh, I just, in my mind, when I hear Motley Crue, I see Vince Neil now, and I can't. I just can't. I know. I know. <laughs> it's sad. What's your favorite Motley Crue song? <sighs> it might be Shout at the Devil or Looks Could, if, uh, uh, what's that? Looks, if, she not, got the if Looks that Kill? Looks could kill. I'm thinking heart. If looks could kill. Um, yeah, that. And then on the first album, 10 seconds to love. I think that's on the first uh, live wire. Eh, There's just so many good songs on those first two albums. And then what's Dr. Your favorite, Feelgood was. What's your favorite crew song? I'm going to go with looks, looks that kill. And you can't go wrong with that. that You'll get no argument from me. It is good. It's a good but riff. I say, and you just mentioned it. One of the best, maybe the best bass riff to open a song ever is Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. That is just fucking heavy hitting, man. And that was that a is good album. heavy hitting. Yeah, That's a it, solid song, man. And, and that, that when they put that album out, I remember they're back. Cause they, I didn't like the girls, girls, girls album, you know, 
That was, well, neither was well did any Vetter, evidently. <laughs> I just found it boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's let's go on to the next one. We got uh, oh, this is this is an interesting one. I don't know if it's a feud, but Morris Day uh, from Morris Day in the Time mm-hmm. versus the Prince Estate said in March, Morris Day brought to light a battle with the Prince Estate over his use of the Time band name. "Quote: Suddenly, the people who control Prince's multi-million-dollar estate." want to rewrite history by taking my name away from me, thus impacting how I feed my family, Day wrote on Facebook. So as of now, per the Prince Estate, I can no longer use Morris Day in the Time in any capacity. The estate quickly responded to these claims, insisting they were, quote, open to, open to working proactively with Morris to resolve this matter. What do you read behind the scenes on that one? Didn't Morris Day piss off Prince when he was alive, though? Didn't that something happen between those two? Uh, maybe. I know Morris in the movie Day he did, did, but, you know, I think something, there was a there was something going on, but I'm just seeing that Prince is dead and his family's controlling the estate and it's all about money. And That's they're going to grab everything they can. You can't. Yeah. Maybe Prince was like, ah, it's Morris, you know. I know. I think Morris Day got a little, he got big, and Prince, every time he introduced somebody, and they got big, he would just dump them. Yeah. And a perfect example is Tevin Campbell. Remember that kid in the, mm-hmm. in the what was it, the 80s? Yeah. Uh, early 90s, Tevin Campbell. He was this talented young kid, had a great voice. He took off his first hit in Prince, and then all of a sudden, Prince just kind of walked away. Hmm. Um, he did it with uh, Vanity, right? Yeah. He did it with, although Sheena Easton, he changed her image, but she had uh, already had that good girl image. Yeah. And then she did, uh, what's the name of that song? Kind of a nasty song. Uh, yeah. Nasty. It's not Nasty Girls. That's no. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, Sugar Walls. Sugar. Yes. Yes. My Sugar what a song when you're a teenager to hear. Yeah, buddy. And Sheena <laughs> was easy to look at, too. A also, rare... I mean, he, he kind of dumped the bangles, but they survived. Like, you know. Well, he, he, wrote, his... he, he wrote the song, okay, but yeah. I don't know if he was uh, invested in them. He was invested in Morris Day in the time. He created that. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, was just, he was just changing it up. He, he was good at walking away. He walked mm-hmm. away from the revolution. Um, you know, and he walked away from, uh, his first band, he would, with Des Desmond in it. Uh, who else was in it? Uh, I forget who else. Oh, you know what I saw the, uh, I pulled this up the other day. It's a video. It's an interview with Mickey freed, right? So if you've ever seen the Charlie Murphy, true Hollywood story on the Chappelle show, have you ever seen it with the no. Prince? Oh, no. wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Stop the show. Stop. Yeah. Now get your pen out and write okay. this down. Sir here. Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy, true Hollywood story. He did two of them. He did. The first one was Rick James. Fucking instant comedy classic. Instant. Maybe, maybe, argue, arguably the funniest skit ever put on television. Right? Yeah. 
And then he did the Charlie Murphy True Hollywood Story because Chappelle would introduce it and he'd say, you know, Charlie was always telling us stories about how uh, him and his brother would get into these, like, you know, they, these situations. So he would get into these situations. His brother's Eddie Murphy. And, uh, and, and, and Charlie Murphy come to find out was, was into all, he was in all of it, right? He was even deeper into these group, like the hanging out with these guys than Eddie Murphy was. And, uh, he tells this story about how they, they all, they, they met at the club and Prince is like, Hey, Charlie Murphy. And it's always Chappelle playing. <laughs> he plays Prince, right? Just yeah. like he played Rick James. <laughs> and he says, Charlie Murphy, let's go, you know, let's go back to my house and, and listen to music. And he goes into this, the act. Right? It's, it's Charlie Murphy tells a story how they go to the house and they listen to music. And all of a sudden Prince says, let's play basketball. And Charlie Murphy's like, are you serious? He goes, let's play basketball. And so they get out in the court. You got to watch it. I don't even want to tip it off because <laughs> it is fucking up. hilarious. Right. And it's, uh, and, and, and Mickey Freed, tells the story and he basically backs up that that this story actually happened. It actually happened. So you got to watch. It was on the Chappelle show. Charlie Murphy uh, was way funnier than his brother. Way funnier. God rest his soul. He, he passed a, from, uh, he passed from, uh, I think, uh, leukemia. I think he had leukemia uh, okay. six years ago, seven years ago, maybe more. But he was absolutely, he could tell a story. That was dude, he a big brother or a little brother? Little brother. He was in the wow. Air Force. He got out of the Air Force. Eddie had already made it big. So he goes to Hollywood and he starts hanging out with his brother and his brother introduces him to all these people and these stories just come out. And, and, and that's what Chappelle said. He said, we'd be off the set and he would be telling us these stories. And I'm thinking, I got to get this. We got to, you know, this shit's good. Because I right. think Charlie Murphy was one of the writers too. He was one of the okay. writers, but they gave him his own fucking Charlie Murphy true Hollywood stories. <laughs> I cannot believe this is great. This is great. This is like giving Dark Side of the Moon to a kid who, who, who a young kid who loves rock and roll, classic rock, and say, You've never listened to this? Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm giving you, my friend. I'm okay. giving you the comedy equivalent. Of Dark Side of the Moon, okay? And you got, I don't know which story is funnier, to tell you the truth. Okay. I really don't know which one is funnier. I have to go with the Rick James one because that's the original. That was, that was a, uh, uh, like, unheard of. It was the fucking total talk of everything after that episode aired. And from that point on, Charlie Murphy just became, that built his legend. He became his own person he, he did his stand-up comedy and nothing like his brother fucking nothing like his brother cool. raw he's fucking raw was was hey, I, hey, I was you, sad when when he passed you gave me already the dark side of the moon of comedy you gave me trailer park boys i oh came, see see i'm 10 years late to the party i never right. knew about the show my son's that, like oh. my son's like dad that's been out forever everyone's seen it not me dude <laughs> One of the best shows that nobody's ever watched. Now, there's this British comedy that I watched, and you can't find it anywhere. You can find it on one of these, uh, one of these. Uh, not, not. It's not YouTube. It's not, not Daily Wire. Not Daily Mail. 
It's one of those like uh, YouTube type channels. Okay. And the name of the show is Ideal. I-D-E-A-L. And it's about this dude in Manchester, in Manchester, England, and he's a weed dealer. And everything takes place around his little apartment. It is the fucking greatest comedy. It is dark humor at its best. Dark, dry, demented humor at its best. It is is really... No, there's like no filter on this thing as as to how weird this whole, it was like five seasons. And if anybody can find that from season one, episode one, and you can watch the whole run, <clears throat> if you like dark comedy and just total fucking craziness, like I, I, it's hard to explain, but it's the greatest sitcom I ever watched. I, I've rewatched it actually because I found it, but it's hard to kind of get all the episodes in a row. I couldn't even find it on DVD. Um, I a think it was broadcast on. Yeah, I think it was on like BBC Four or something, or Sky. I think Sky is one of the networks, yeah. but it's called Ideal. <clears throat> okay, if you can find it, I highly recommend it. But watch this Charlie Murphy True Hollywood Stories, both yep. of them. See, I've got my I, Scott to do list. That's there you go, buddy. Got to do this. So, so got to do it. <laughs> Hold on one second. Cough button. Hold on. All right. So now Somebody we go couldn't into... take the snow. Somebody uh, couldn't take the snow. <laughs> see, can't put me having... in the green room. Are you are you pushing my buttons? I guess yeah. Lou just isn't coming on. Man. I guess. Yeah, yeah, give him time. He's probably trying to figure it out. I'm. I hope he just pops on for at least you know. His camera isn't working, but maybe he could come on with a black screen and just have his mic. You know, I, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a screen, it's a voice. You know, just tell I him am to come in on with constant them. communication with Lou. Yeah, just tell him to pop on because it sounded good. His mic sounded good. He has good sound now. Yeah, sounds really good. But I was watching uh, one of the latest uh, 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 music relish podcasts, and I noticed he had a nice background going with the lights. Yes, and the black wall. So Lou's upping his game is good so uh, yeah moving on to this one uh kk downing versus judas priest yeah do you know any history on that i was a priest fan in high school that was my favorite heavy metal band so he had a real falling out with them a few years ago yeah and uh, that whole rock and roll again the rock and roll hall of fame creating friction yeah yeah Look at Richie, Richie Rocky. I'm his favorite celebrity. See that? See how that goes? See? I told Fan you, it's a, it's a cult following. It's a, but it's a, it's a weird cult. It's a weird, <laughs> weird people cult are the following. best. Yeah. We're the best. Yeah. Uh, and Dave Phillips, he said, hey, guys, he's king of the 45s, as I call him. Uh, so guitarist K.K. Downing had some harsh words for his former band, his former band Judas Priest, on a few occasions in 2022. First, he insisted their plan to tour as a four-piece lineup was, quote, insulting and, quote, a slap in the face before the band dropped those plans. Uh-huh. Later, Downing claimed his ex-bandmates broke promises regarding their shared business interests. Quote, I'm still a 25% shareholder, but they said it's worthless. It isn't worth anything. 
and they don't pay me anything of anything that I was involved with, period, Downing said. Uh, alleging, alleging that it had been five years since he'd received income from the group. Months later, Judas Priest was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Downing attended, but things weren't entirely rosy. Hmm. Save for the speeches and performances, he was noticeably separated from the band's current lineup. He was seated in a different area and walked the red carpet with only fellow former member Les Binks. Right. Uh. Right. That, that first, you know, we've talked about on uh, Music Rouse about that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it sounded good. I love the mix and everything. And I was watching Priest, and they sounded good. I'm not, not, you know, I, they're still, I, I don't worship at the Priest altar like I used to, you know. Right. But um, what was sad for me, the other guitarist, Glenn Tipton, he's been out of the band for, I don't know, 10 years. He's got Parkinson's. They brought him back, and he just looked like 90 years old. It was sad. It was just so sad to see. Really? Uh, but that's Parkinson's, you know. It does, yeah. but he was able to play. God bless him. You know, he could actually do the song. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm surprised if you're talking about something like that. It's not Parkinson's, but um, back, I don't know, in the, had to be the mid 2000s when Motley Crue made their first comeback, their first reunion. They opened in Fort Lauderdale and I, at, at uh, the arena there with a Florida Panthers play. And, you know, Mick Mars back then, oh, yeah. like he was, it was like they strapped a board to his back <laughs> and that's yep. how he walked. Like, and yeah. I'm like, this guy, he's still doing it. Yep. His, his, yep. He has that disease where his bones fuse together. Yeah. And uh, that's why he couldn't tour, but he's still, he's coming out with a new song or an album or something. So Hey. Another one, but he and he, no one really knows how old he is. That's what I've heard said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the guy could have jammed with Hendrix for all we know. I we think he's older know. than the rest of them. That's yeah. for sure. I'm sure. There's, I think he is the oldest one in the band. There's people that say mm-hmm. he was 40 when he when they had their first album out, wow. and that could be true. That could make him 80. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we move on to Steve Gorman uh, versus the Black Crows. Right. Mm. So in April, former Black Crows drummer Steve Gorman filed a lawsuit against his ex-bandmates, Chris and Rich Robinson, alleging the brothers owed him unpaid royalties. Quote, for more than five years, my attorneys and I have made repeated requests to review the partnership's books to confirm the accuracy of royalty payments of my share. But Chris and Rich have consistently ignored my rights under the partnership agreement. Gorman said in the statement, quote, I regret that it has come to this as I remain incredibly proud of the music we created as a band, but their conduct has left me with no choice. Six months later, the suit was settled for an undisclosed amount. (laughs) (laughs) There's a band that they're America's kinks. You got a brother and two brothers that fought, you know, but he, that drummer wrote a book on the Crows, which I love books from, the guys in the band that were quiet, like Nick Mason's book on Pink Floyd. I love it because they're more observing everything. Yeah. And uh, he, in that book, I got to get it because I heard he talks about when they toured with Jimmy Page and the Robinson brothers were having such bad fights. Page wanted to stay with them and do music. And Page was like, basically, I'm out of here. Like they screwed up yeah. having Jimmy Page with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have some real dish on uh, 
on Roger Waters and someone uh, kind of in with Pink Floyd. I'll get to that later on. That's, oh, that's, that's the uh, the tweet from uh, Gilmore's wife. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. one. That's a good one. So let me see. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> this one's a little contentious. Joan Jett versus Ted Nugent. <laughs> I got to be on Ted's side with this. But I, I like Joan, Joan to Jett. win the fight. <laughs> I, yeah. I like Joan Jett. I have nothing against Joan Jett. I think Joan Jett is an accomplished uh, uh, musician. I think she paid her dues. She was her, She's a trailblazer. She marched to her own drummer. She capitalized on the minute of success with the, the, the black, the runaways. And then, you know, that's who she started with, right? The runaways. Then it yeah, became yeah. Joan Jett and the runaways, right? No, no, it was, she was there. It was her. Lita Ford was in that band too. The runaways. And, yeah. Yeah. And then she just went solo at that. She had, um, oh, she had, the, she was she with the black hearts. Her band. The that black was hearts. Joan Jett and the black hearts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Ted Nugent has never been one to hide his opinions. So when he found out that Joan Jett was listed among Rolling Stones, now Rolling Stone, okay, not the Rolling Stone of the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. Well, the, we have this current version of the Rolling of Rolling Stone. I subscribe. It yeah. Just, uh, I just, well, I got to say, for the record, I'm a subscriber. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm gonna, going to just say that they have become extremely woke and political and they lost their way. They've lost their way, in my opinion, as a, a pure music lover. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. So, uh, so when he found out that Joan Jett was listed, when Ted Nugent found out that Joan Jett was listed among Rolling Stone's 100 greatest guitarists, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me, right? He didn't mince words. Quote, <laughs> you have to have shit for brains and you have to be a soulless, soulless prick to put Joan Jett on this list. God that bless. Sounds that. like Ted. That's quote. Like Ted. Nugent declared, is that, uh, and then, so she said, is that his implication that he should be on the list instead of me? Yeah. Yeah. I do think so. I personally, Scott McLean, think so. Uh, she replied, well, that's just typical, and here we go. It's what I've dealt with my whole life being written off. Ted Nugent has to live with being Ted Nugent. I think he's happy being Ted Nugent. He has to be in that body, so that's punishment enough. Jesus oh. <laughs> Jet, I... I uh, I'm not going to get it. Jet then skewed, skewed New, uh, Nugent's macho persona. He's not a tough guy, she declared. He plays tough guy, but this is the guy who shit his pants, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so he didn't have to go <laughs> go into the army. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. She she opened up that, 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 that wound. The war words didn't end there. Just two days after Jet made her comments, Nugent claimed, She'd viciously attacked him. Uh, Joan, would you just relax? Nugent said, maybe the plastic surgery has gone to her brain. I don't know. I just don't think she was that stupid. I never said anything about how stupid she was. I, I, did, I didn't think she was stupid. Now we know how stupid she is. 
This is one of those back and forth. Just get the popcorn and wait for the replies, love, you know? I love I love those rags when they just keep repeating the same words. Like, stupid? Yeah. I didn't say you were stupid. When did I say you were stupid, stupid? You know, when he says that, I see his, I see him winking. Like, he's just baiting her on. He's, he's Oh, he's laughing. Good, yeah. He's laughing. Yeah, Ted yeah. Nugent. But I we all know someone think. like that. Yeah, we know people like that. They love to do this stuff. Do you think she belongs in the top 100 best guitarists of all time? I don't even know if she does solos. I mean, but as far as Ted is concerned, I have one of his albums I love. I have Free For All. Love that album. But it was like, I never was turned on by his guitar playing. I always said that he should turn turn the distortion down and be more like Chuck Berry. Because this guy, he could probably do a really good Chuck Berry thing. You know? Well, look what he did with Damn Yankees. I was not a fan of that band, by the way. I was not a fan of that. Hire was one of the best ballads ever written. Oh my god, that was great! Come and, on. And, and what what group did Tommy Shaw play with? Babe, I love you. And what's the name of the group? Sticks. Thank you. That's all you need to say. <laughs> I don't need to hear him. I don't need to I'm hear a Sticks him. fan. Can you uh, believe it? Uh, like a lot of people are. I just, Domo arigato, Scott. Oh, uh, you know what? You really. You, this is like your version of last week, except you're saying it to my face. Just poking the bear. Keep poking. Keep poking. Uh, now <laughs> we I'm move sure. on to uh, John Lydon versus Pistol, the TV show. I didn't watch that, by the way. I, never uh, I don't. I don't like those. Yeah, I, I don't like like I I'm not gonna watch that Elton John movie or the Freddie Mercury movie or the Elvis movie. You didn't see the Queen movie? No, I won't. All right, I so won't. I lived it. All right, listen, I as a Queen fan hated it because they screwed with the whole timeline of Queen, and I hate when they do a doc. What do they call that a, a docudrama, docudrama movie or whatever? Yeah, it's like I'm a fan, so I'm watching. I'm like. No, Live Aid wasn't their last performance. He didn't even know he had HIV, I don't think, at that point. You know, and they're talking, oh, he knows he's sick. I hate when they do that. But and well, I you know the, it was good? The NWA movie. Yes, was it good. was. That was that very was, good. They were they were pretty spot on with that. Yeah. They they hit all the they hit all the nails on the mm-hmm. head mm-hmm. in in chronological order of how things played out. Yeah. Um but I, I thought that was well done. That was well done. So you got John Lydon versus Pistol TV show. And I had heard about this when this first happened. FX, it was on FX, I think. Okay. Um, so John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten, has been harshly critical of the planned Pistol TV series from, oh, hold on. Can you hear me, Major <laughs> Lou? I'm a head in the jar. The, <laughs> I like head, it. Get the head in the jar sound. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> let's just listen to Lou. Let's listen. <laughs> With the break in the action, the score. Oh, we can hear a toilet I tr- flush. I tried everything. Yeah, okay. I'm my my camera is somehow linked to the Music Brothers podcast, and I don't know why because I'm I'm not the host. It's gra- It's like grafted itself onto it. Well, what happened to your mic? Your mic earlier had really good sound. Now it's like your your computer oh, mic. You just no. really let me let me. Let me Oh, we might get him. <laughs> when he cuts out like that, means he's getting the mic working. This is a poor Lou. <laughs> I think I need a good long weekend in Asheville. I just want to go to Asheville again. Right? How's that? <laughs> bom, 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 there bom, you bom. go. There you go. Wow. 
Hey, maybe one of these yeah. days we'll we'll meet up in Asheville. Maybe I'll get an I'll get an Airbnb and we'll kind of hit yeah, up man. for a weekend and and Luke can show us show us the town. Great town. You you should do it. Oh, it, it would be fun. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I can get us in a fight somewhere. We'll just have a good old yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I've no hippies fight differently. <laughs> it's hippieville. It's hippieville. It's it. I, 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 the natural food store worked at. There was two guys. They were fighting at the hot bar, but they really weren't fighting. <laughs> and at one point, I'm like, I'm watching. I'm amused because I'm like, it's so much to throw a punch at one point. You know, they're basically <laughs> saying your mother wears combat boots, that kind of stuff. But they weren't, uh, like, they weren't being forceful enough. So I had a box cutter. I'm like, I'm just gonna throw the box cutter in the middle. So like, Go at it. <laughs> Let's Go at it. The box cutter around after. <laughs> well, He's, no, it was it was part of my job. It was like a carton, a carton cutter. But you know. Uh, okay, listen. We've been talking about, uh, um, uh, you know, like uh, feuds, right? And mm-hmm. and while we have you on, while while. Before something else happens with Lou. <laughs> so we spoke last night and we're going in a totally different direction right now. So okay. Lou and I spoke last night and he mentioned the, the, the fact he said, he said, did I ever tell you the story? And correct me if I'm wrong, Lou. Okay. Uh, Lou said, did, did I ever tell you the story how uh, uh, my father uh, fired Frankie Valley in the four seasons? <laughs> and I was like, I said, no, 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 but don't tell me now. I want to hear it firsthand. Okay, on the podcast good. tomorrow night. So set this up for us. Okay. Set this up. And maybe it's good that my camera isn't working because I have to name some names. So maybe the fact that I can't be seen <laughs> might be kind of beneficial. Um, it's, I have a young son, you know. Um, well, anyway, my, my father, he was kind of a P.T. Barnum kind of guy. Um, really, really cool dude. Very uh, entrepreneur. Um, but he was also in his youth. He was a, an amateur, amateur national champion wrestler, but he went professional. Um, in the 40s and 50s so he was actually pretty well known on the up and down the east coast he was the uh i think the lightest um in some category he was the lightest professional wrestler in in the country at one point he was talking like gorgeous george type wrestling or well, well it was the old school stuff like where these guys were actual he, my dad was a national amateur champ he was a uh he was an alternate on the 36 olympic team oh wow Okay. Yeah, so I mean, he, he was good he was a real deal but a lot of these guys were the real deal but then you know they, they had to make money you know my father had a starting a family at that point um, so he was and, like wwf type i don't know what, wrestler. i don't or, know what or, it was I, yeah yeah i don't know what the federations were the the leagues were but i know he actually he might have wrestled that's what he was doing right okay yeah um anyway so but he he became you know he met other people so he, he got into like the, the nightclub business and um he there was this band they were called the four lovers so this is probably like 1954 to 56 maybe um there were the four lovers you know they were kind of starting out but my father and his partner, a guy named Al Siegel, they fired them from the club because they did they weren't professional. Um, he didn't mention if they were bad or good. He wasn't that impressed. But you know, my dad wasn't a real rock and roll guy until the Beatles came along like that. Anyway, so he fired them because he told me, he goes, you know, they're making out with girls on the hoods of cars, but like in between sets and while they're supposed to be playing. Um, so then but by the time they became the four seasons in 1960, that's when they, they kind of solidified. They met up with Bob Crew, the producer, and he re- covered a lot of their songs. Um, but when they came about, I remember him telling me, you know, because that music is very prevalent on the East Coast and what we call on the Music Relish podcast, Italo Rock. Mm. Um, it's doo-wop, right? Well, there's elements of doo-wop, you know, but yeah. they were an actual band. I didn't know until recently, you know, I, I saw the Jersey Boys uh, movie, the Clint Eastwood movie, 
but I, I was thought, and I didn't know they wrote their own songs, but they were a self-contained band. They actually played the instruments, you know, the guitar, bass. I don't know who the drummer was. I think they used a lot of studio drummers, like a lot of bands did then. Um, but they solidified that sound. And, you know, his, his falsetto is what they're, what they're known for, you know, walk like a man and big girls don't cry Sherry. You know, that was the signature sound. But, you know, by the time they got to that level in 1960, my dad was out of that. He was out of wrestling, all that stuff. And I was born in 61. So at that point, you know, it was a different thing. But I remember him telling me, he goes, you know, at that time, you didn't know how good they were going to be. Um, you know, so. Okay. So the four lovers was. They, was, was, they were the four lovers. They would yeah. go on to be the four seasons. Yes. So in earlier, what they did was Frankie Valley um, joined the band called the the Variatones, and they became the Four Lovers in like '56, I think. Yeah, and '54, '56. But you know, they did they recorded seven singles and an album as the Four Lovers, so they actually got better. I think my father, maybe they fired. Them. They must have fired them before that because they made it to the Ed Sullivan Show. They did one appearance on Ed Sullivan in 1956, um, but they had they had a single that uh, they cracked cracked the uh, Billboard Top 100. Um, with an Otis Blackwell song. He he wrote Don't Be Cruel, amongst other things, but it was called You're the Apple of My Eye. I think in the Jersey Boys movie, that's what he's singing when the Christopher Walken character is in the bar, you know, this murderous mafia guy's crying tears of, of sentiment because the song moved him so much. But they had, they had some singles, yeah. Did your father know that that character, that Christopher Walken uh, character. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I'm, my, my, actually, I, I'm full of shit about my camera not working. I, that's just a story to protect my face. <laughs> yes. Hey, so, hey, Lou, Lou, you could have put the Godzilla mask that, on. That's not, I should have gotten the Godzilla mask. <laughs> I'm, go. I'm still going to do that. Uh, and my name isn't Lou, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, anyway, so my, my father, he was a councilman. He, he, he ran for mayor. So when I was born, I think he was elected mayor in 61. And you know, New Jersey is known for, you know, political, a lot of corruption, Mark. You know, Mark could tell you, too. You know, we've, oh, had, some, yeah. we've had some governors resign. But what he was, this guy, um, what was his, it was Gyp DiCarlo, but what was his real? Oh, Angelo Gyp DiCarlo. So he was a capo regime of the, it was the Genovese crime family. He was a loan shark, basically. Um, so my father, when he was married, he had heard wind of some gambling operations, illegal gambling operations. So he was he was at the dinner talking to someone. I think it turned out to be like an undercover FBI agent or some kind of official that had my father basically saying, yeah, there's some shit going on. So he had to testify. Oh, my shit. Yeah, wow. yeah. So this was, that was the late sixties. My parents divorced in like 69, I think. And so we live with my dad. So there were seven of us at that point. And, um, I remember hearing this name, Jip the Carl. I, I was like eight or nine years old. So I wasn't really hip to what was going on. But, um, when, what we did, we had a roller skating rink in North Jersey and one in South Jersey. So we'd go up to North Jersey every Saturday, you know, an hour and a half trip. We come home really late. So my father, my older brother, when we pull in the driveway, they'd go in first, <laughs> come back out. And that's when the little kids could come in. And I, I always wondered why, you know, so one day I, I kind of snuck in and my father and brother, he was probably 18 at the time. They're going here, pussy, pussy, here, pussy, pussy. And I went I said, we don't have a cat. My father goes, get in the car. That's right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I get, so I, I get outside and years later what I found the, the pussy cat they were referring to was a guy named Anthony Pussy Russo, who was another he was a um associate of Jip DiCarlo. Um he's the template for the big pussy character that was in the Sopranos, actually. Ah. Killed by his own guys, like they a lot like oftentimes are. So when I got older, I asked him credit and said, Dad, what the hell was going on? He goes, Well, he goes, I had to testify and you know, he goes, it was something I didn't want to do it. But when you get subpoenaed, you know, he, he had to answer he the had subpoena. He had seven kids, too. 
I, more than that, actually, he's got. I'm from his second marriage, so and all told, <laughs> there was eleven of us. Oh, so there's a bunch, yeah. Damn. And you know, I was like, right. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> but you know, it, it it's it's funny. You know, if he was alive now, we could see the Jersey Boys in New York. I'd say, Dad, Christopher Walken is playing the guy. But the reason he so further there was a he was wiretapped. This guy Jim DeCarlo was wiretapped. My dad's name came up. So I'm all I'm going to say is that I'm not going to say our last name, but they said we're going to get blank blank, meaning. And our last name came up. So my father started right. carrying a gun. He started carrying a gun. And, uh, oh, wow. so, yeah. So that time he goes, you know, he goes, I, I just didn't know what to do. You know, and he had, he had some friends in the police department, that kind of thing. Um, but that was when I got older, I was like, Whoa, that's some serious shit. Um, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But the fact that Christopher Walken played him was great. But years later in the eighties, um, the guy that introduced my parents, um, they were talking about the old days, you know, like my mom used to sing in nightclubs. I don't know if that's how my father and mother met. Um, but you know, my dad thought this shit had blown over, which it really did, but it was like 84, 85. And my father talked to this guy that introduced my parents. They hadn't spoken in years. And they were talking about the old days and what my father was doing, you know, cause this guy told my father, he goes, you may want to get a gun. And, uh, so at the end of my, the guy goes, Louis, Louis, be careful. And my dad's like, well, what do you mean? Be careful. Is this, is this not over? So then my father told me that I said, Oh, this is weird. I have the same name as my father and we're, I'm a junior. <laughs> and my, oh boy. Yeah. So one night I, Mark, I think I went to the bottle King store in Hillsdale, New Jersey. I worked at, I was an assistant store manager. And that I grew up the, three I, blocks from that bottle. King. Yes, you did. But, but that was the China club. It was a club at that point. Cause I'd played yep. there a couple of times. Okay. I went to the China club and I got hammered. I'm walking home cause I live close by. I'm thinking about this shit. I'm like, Jesus, this is really weird. What they <laughs> go in the phone book and there's, there's a click yelling. Oh, I said it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So, Mark, I'm walking up Broadway and this black limousine. I'm not shitting you. A black limousine pulls up you know, and I, the windows roll down. I'm like this. I'm Swiss cheese. I'm thinking, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be doing the dance of death. I'm, I'm about to run in this freaking drunk guy goes, hey, where's the China club? I'm like, it's across the street. <laughs> he goes, get in. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> 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 good 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 that's a good story man. yeah good oh my story. god yeah yeah good story um, so, yeah, so it, all, it all comes full circle to frankie valley i guess yeah there you go <laughs> that was a good story my friend good story so Thank we've it's true too <laughs> oh i don't think you'd lie i don't think you'd come on and make that story up it's uh, too good of a flow unless oh, you've man. been telling it for the last 40 years uh, i don't know Thanks for Scott, indulging. That's me. that's the deepest dive you might have ever had on this show. Huh? <laughs> that's a pretty good. That's a pretty yeah. good deep dive. That went in a weird stuff. direction. It, it did. It did. Different direction. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Lou, we've been talking about like uh, uh, feuds, right? That it popped right. up in 2022, and and Mark and I touched on this earlier. Uh, so we come up to now, uh, Neil Schoen versus Jonathan Cain. I think oh, yeah. Mark, this is where I found there's a discrepancy in what one says about the other and that credit card thing. So I think this is it. It says, uh, add another chapter to journey's litigious history in November. Neil Sean sued Jonathan Kane, claiming he quote, improperly restricted access to the band credit card. We all know that story. Now, uh, the Amex account is a journey account, not a personal account of Kane. He'd said that earlier. Shone's lawyers said in their filing, alleging that, quote, millions in journey funds have flowed through the, this Amex account, unquote. A day after Shone's lawsuit was made public, Kane defended himself. He said, quote, 
There's been under tremendous, Neil has been under tremendous financial pressure as a result of his excessive spending and extravagant lifestyle, <laughs> which led him running up enormous personal charges on the band's credit card account, Kane said. The dispute <laughs> will boil over into 2023 when both sides schedule a meet in court. Now, that's, a, that's the twist that we never heard before. Right. Yeah. I think I believe Jonathan Kane. I think I, I I think I believe him. I think he probably said you're spending way too much fucking money, dude. Like, in, there's a little bit in there. Is something else in that whole story? I don't know if you know, but about a year ago, Neil Sean's wife was really hurt by security at a concert. She was up near the stage taking pictures, and she was tackled by a security guard. And I think she's had health problems or something from that. So there's so much at play in this story. And I said on Music Relish, I told Lou and Perry, I'm going to follow this. I gave up because it's just mm, back yeah. and forth, back and forth. You know? yeah. Who, who's more of a rock star, Jonathan Cain or Neil Sean? Neil Sean. Yeah. Neil Sean. Yeah. yeah so you, you, think, you think he's spending money like a rock star? Probably he's got is. a lot of guitars. A lot of guitars. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Neil Sean probably has health insurance. <laughs> I think they probably pay you would, for health you, insurance. You would think. Well, you know, you when know. when Steve Smith was um let go from the band early on, he said, you know, there's there's a journey organization that you're taking care of. You know, you may get fired from the band, but you you've got some benefits. You know, yeah, they set it up like a corporation. Yeah, well, they were known as the first. Cor- they called them a corporate rock band, which is it's a, it's an insult right. to their art. It's an insult to their artistry. But what they did, you know, that was the '80s too. Everything was, you know, it was the, that was the go time. But, you know, they set things up, which, you know, really not a bad thing to do when you think about it, you know. Right. If you're going to do all those world tours and if you're not a, a songwriter, you know, you get performance royalties. But, you know, he was taken care of when he left. And um, do it while like you're still getting along. Yeah. Right. You know, set it up while you're still getting along yeah. and then just guarantee that everybody is taken care of in whatever way. Because it, it, it did seem odd to me that they have a corporate credit card, a journey, like mm-hmm. an account. That you know? is true with a lot of bands. I read. Do you remember Queensrÿche, really? Scott? Queensrÿche. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there was a lucidity. Yeah. <laughs> there was a story about them. I brought it up on Music Rails where the drummer just said, "I need to take time off from the band," and they allowed him to. He it was like an HR thing. He said, "Can I have time off from the band because it's Queensrÿche LLC?" And um, there was something there too about the credit cards. He was using the credit card. He got a home studio with the band credit card. So. Yeah, it's just it oh. happens, and you know, and yeah. uh, they're they're going through legal stuff too. That made time to interpersonal things too. Where like, if he's not, you know, if you're the songwriters of the band, you know, it's like the Eagles said, if you have the song power, you're kind of running the show. You're gonna make, you're gonna get the money, you know, from the songwriting. Yeah. So maybe, you know, the drummers aren't sometimes known as songwriters. So maybe he's like, well, screw it, you guys, you know, you guys got limousines, yachts. I'm gonna put a little studio and see what happens. You know, there's. There's always a lot of unspoken truths in these things, but so I can, you, yeah. I'm sorry. Go on, Luke. I, I can see Neil Sean being a. I, I'm just I'm just picturing being like a spendthrift rock star, you know, like jet setting, you know. Who knows? But but yeah. aren't they on tour? Aren't they going on tour all together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Greg yeah, Rowley's not in the band now. He's out. or is he? he he's out already. <laughs> he is. They've already started the tour. Is he? Is he? Is he with them? I Greg think you can. You know what I think you're going to see him do. Uh, Neil Sean had a side band with Greg Rowley years ago called Abraxas, which was the band behind Carlos Santana. Hmm. 
I think you could see he's friendly with Greg and Greg deserves to be out there. He was a great singer. And I think you'll probably see some side project happen, you know, um, Jonathan Kane, happens. Yeah. I don't think Kane would let Neil Sean do journey without him in the band. He might sue him. That could be a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Like Vince yeah. Clark got with, uh, 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 Martin Gore from Depeche Mode and they've, you know, 20 years later, they got together and did some experimental, like electronica, you know, albums. Yeah. So that, that stuff always kind of comes around. I think mm-hmm. what Ringo actually did some songs with, uh, with Paul McCartney at one point, didn't he? Like drums and uh, oh, give my regards well, to Broad Street. He's, he's guessed. He's guessed on a lot of stuff. Yeah, he guess he guessed yeah. on some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I go back to <clears throat> always go back to the con- the the interview I saw with um. I read I read a uh, an article about the police and how Sting pretty much stole the money for every breath you take. Um, when uh, Andy Summer came up with the, the that riff oh uh, really yeah and oh, I, I didn't know so that. he got like he didn't get a writing credit but i think he gets a contribution credit or something uh and Stuart copeland and sting always had a a contentious relationship yeah uh or it, it got that way uh during their time together and it was they were interviewing uh sting and he says how uh, he always brings that up, how uh, uh, Stuart Copeland always brings up the fact that Sting, you know, basically got most of the money and he would come to the studio with the songs already written and, you know, in the every breath you take kind of thievery that he took. And, <laughs> and Sting replies, yeah, I can hear him. And he, oh, and how Sting always lives in these big, you know, mansions and da 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 and he says, yeah, yeah, poor Stuart yelling all the way from his castle over in England. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which I thought was a pretty good dig. It was a pretty good dig. Like, you know, listen, you all have way more money than you'll ever fucking need in, in your Sting life. did a yeah. solid, when they did that world tour, they reformed. He did that to help uh, Stuart and, uh, you know, the other two guys make well, some money, too. I don't think Stuart Copeland needs the money. He I did a lot so of uh, Hollywood. Uh, yeah. He, he did, like, he wrote the music for the original show. Uh, the Equalizer. The, uh, the, the Equalizer. Yep. That was, like, yep. he's done a lot of scores. He's done a lot of soundtrack stuff. Uh, he's always busy. I mean, look at the guy is, yeah. is fucking ultra talented. No no doubt about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, and probably Andy Summers the one that is the least rich uh, right. of all of them but uh i think sting saw the money grab too i think he yeah. saw the money grab and yeah i'll, I'll put up with them for you know a, a year an eight month tour or whatever the tour was of football stadiums i mean of stadiums, <laughs> a lot yeah, of money. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they were basically done after 82 after synchronicity after synchronicity i think that was it right that was their last album right yeah that, that's i think i think like, it's a great I'm album going on top i'm, I'm i can that's fucking right. jump off this is a jump off point from heaven right, right yeah. Here. yeah and he didn't let down sting put out a lot of good music in the yes, 80s yeah. you yep. know yeah. and into the 90s the, they see the movie well, uh, bring on the night it was uh the the concert movie from his first solo album dream excellent movie yeah the, the musicians are great um, I might watch that tomorrow because it's I'm, really, because it's I'm really retired. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm retired <laughs> and I can do that. You so I think that. I'll watch that tomorrow. Well, careful, Scott. His whole band are jazz musicians. 
So That's, get hey, ready. I, hey, I have but, nothing but respect. But, I always said jazz drummers are the greatest drummers ever. Oh yeah, the best yeah. drummers, no doubt. This drummer was Omar Hakim. Um, he he's the guy. He played on a lot of '80s stuff. Um, he, uh, him and Manu Kache were two of the big studio guys. They played on Robbie Robertson, Sting's albums, Peter Gabriel. But yeah. the band is hot. Yeah, excellent. Um. So now we we I think we talked about this uh last time we we were on it I think it was the three of us or was it just me and Lou I just remember talking I think I was talking to you about this Lou I don't know I could be wrong but Jimmy Page versus Robbie Williams <laughs> funny story <laughs> right was it you Lou or was it you Mark we were talking it might have been Mark yeah I think it was, I was following it was Mark. that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so. A long-standing dispute between next-door neighbors Jimmy Page and Robbie Williams was renewed because this has been going on for about ten years, right? I was here for this too. <laughs> I remember this now. Yeah, yeah, this has been going on for a long for for years, yeah. right? Your hedges are too big. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, next-door uh, neighbors Jimmy Page and Robbie Williams was renewed when Williams moved forward with plans to install a two-story fence. <laughs> Two stories. They've previously <laughs> battled over other renovation plans. Williams begins a project in twenty uh, began a project in twenty fifteen to install a swimming pool, recording studio, and gym into the basement of his mansion. Something Page argued would put the foundation of his historic home at risk. It very well could. The home is protected by laws, and uh, right. he wanted to go down like two floors underground. Yeah. yeah. So it says there are other chapters to this feud. Williams once publicly apologized for insinuating that Page was mentally ill, <laughs> and he is reportedly dressed up as Page's Led Zeppelin bandmate Robert Plant on stage in an effort to mock him. If there's oh, one boy. thing to be learned here, it's that old feuds die hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're neighbors. They still have to see each other every time they go outside. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> hey, neighbor. The British are known for their politeness, though, at least on the surface. So it's probably like, good day. Hello, hello, hello you, you bloody. Hello, yes. Yeah. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, there you go. <laughs> I, I came across this one today. So it says uh, Pink Floyd co-founder Roger Waters called anti-Semitic megalomaniac by band's lyricist Polly Sampson. Now I'll get to who she is oh, yeah. in the article. So it says Roger Waters has responded to a Pink Floyd lyricist uh, after a Pink Floyd lyricist called him anti-Semitic and a, quote, Putin apologist on Twitter. The accusations came from Polly Sampson, the wife of Pink Floyd guitarist David <laughs> Gilmore, and a lyricist for the band. Quote, sadly, at Roger Waters, you are, and this is her, this is what yeah. she said. This woman, I'd hate to get in a fucking argument with this lady. <laughs> this is some hard-hitting shit right here. This is like she goes for the fucking jugular with a fucking a machete. <laughs> like <laughs> she says, sadly, at Roger Waters, you are anti-Semitic to your rotten core. Samson wrote Monday. Also, a Putin apologist and a lying, thieving, hypocritical, tax avoiding, lip syncing, misogynistic, sick with envy, megalomaniac. Enough of your nonsense. Damn. Wow. Wow. Well, I saw him a couple months ago. He doesn't lip sync because I <laughs> knew he didn't lip sync. Uh, um, there's such bad blood between him and Gilmore. And Gilmore's wife has a big mouth because when they were recording the last Pink Floyd album secretly, 
she spilled the beans and said, there's going to be a new Pink Floyd album. She's just, you know, she's got to keep quiet. Who's but, uh, who's more talented? Uh, you know what? I, d- 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 Her I'm, or Roger Waters? Or I'm David a big, no, Roger Waters or, or David Gillen? Listen, who's more th- this, this gets me going because mm. I love both of them. Yeah. But personally, I've always been like when I listen to them young, the wall is all Roger Waters except for Comfortably Numb. I am a Roger Waters guy at the end of the day. However, there would be no Pink Floyd as we know it without David Gilmore because True. he's a fantastic songwriter too. He's the melodic side of the and, band. And singer. And singer. Yeah, he's a and great singer. singer. Yep. Um, a lot of people can't take listening to a Rogers Waters album, especially when it's a 75 minute amused to death, right, Lou? <laughs> um, but on the other hand, I, I, I enjoyed love, it. <laughs> yeah, I love him and I love his lyrics, but. David Gilmore is like a comfortable shoe. I've, I've been div- uh, diving into his solo albums lately, and I love his way of playing guitar. I, he's one of my main influences. He's just a great, great I slow. Can, I can, Mark, I can attest to that. Um, the recording you did with me and Perry down here, I, I heard some some Gilmore influence in there. Even yeah, though you I want to redo your, even though you want to redo your parts, which you cannot do. Back in the eighties, when I thought I could be a heavy metal guitar player, and I realized I can't play as fast as these guys. And then I read an interview with David Gilmore where he said, "You know, I'll never play like these guys, like yeah. Eddie Van Halen, but I just play like I play." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't have to be fast, you know." <laughs> you know, and you're you're very self deprecating about your guitar abilities, by the way. I that I want to redo the solo. Please call my call my manager. No, He'll set it no, up. No, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, in response, Waters' verified Twitter account released the following statement later Monday. Yeah. In other words, he didn't write this. Roger Waters is aware of the incendiary, incendiary, and wildly inaccurate comments made about him on Twitter by Polly Sampson, which he refutes entirely. He is currently taking advice as to his position. Ooh. Which basically means, is he going to sue her or not? Mm. Thinking of a legal. Mm. Allow me to retort. Uh, let me see. Um, you know, Scott, you know that the um, Animals was recently remixed and reissued on 5.1. It was held up for three years because Gilmore and Waters couldn't agree on the liner notes in the booklet, which maybe you and I would read CD booklets because we're audio people, but... Most people don't care what's in the booklet, you know? That held it right. up. That's how acronomy the, the relationship between these guys is. Says uh Waters was a founding member of Pink Floyd and left the band in eighty five. Since then, Waters has been widely condemned as anti Semitic. He's yeah. disparaged Israel on Twitter and flown an inflatable balloon in the shape of a pig decorated with the star David at a concert. Uh this year Pink Floyd celebrates a major milestone with the fiftieth anniversary of their classic album Dark Side of the Moon. To commemorate the anniversary last month, the band announced see this is the shit I don't get. I it like how many times can you fucking can you, you dress up a pig? Uh last month the band announced Dark Side will be reissued oh, yeah. in a special deluxe box set with remastered versions. Okay, let's put it this way remastered of the remastered of the already remastered versions mm-hmm. all right of uh the album and live recording released in march 1973 moon reached number one of billboard album shot spent which one of you knows how many weeks it was on oh i don't know that god how many years how, was it on? Everyone, how, 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 how many weeks years? are in 25 years you know six wait 750 weeks i don't know that's crazy. I'm, I, I can't add my head what do you think? How many years? I'm going to do a Price is Right. Higher. Up. Wait, wait, when did it come out? 73? 
72, right? 73. 73. How many years was it on? The, the, I'll say the, the 28 shots. years. 28 years. No, no, I'm going to say longer. I'm going to say, wait. 70, it dropped. It did briefly leave and come back. I know that. 37 years. We suck, I'd Luke. say, well, it was closer. Mark was closer if you're going to play, but you're over by 10 years. It was okay. a, a, a record 18 years. Oh, wow. wow. And then plus, because like you said, it fell off. And went right. back on, but it was yeah. 18 consecutive years. Uh, it's also among the top 25 most selling albums in the U.S. according to Record Industry Association of America. More than 50 million copies of Dark Side of the Moon have been sold worldwide. The album was added to the National Recording Registry. Blah 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 blah. Let me tell you, if they do it like they did Animals, Animals was incredible sounding. All I want, I'm I love 5.1 remixes of albums. They did a surround, but it was on a super audio CD. I'm not spending 200 bucks on it or 300 bucks on a player. So they put it out on Blu-ray. I'll be happy. I hope they do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we've been talking about dynamic uh, ticket pricing lately, right? Oh, yeah. They're actually going to start doing it in movie theaters too now. Yeah. It's like, what Where does fuck? it end? We we always, to, it all started when they started putting advertisements at the beginning of movies. Yeah, yeah. Like Where's you can't the cartoons? escape it anymore. Yeah. You can't escape it anymore. That's, I think, the advantage of buying your ticket, getting your seat in advance, which I thought was crazy 20 years ago when they first announced that they're going to be doing this. I'm like, it's a movie theater. Hmm. But now it's become a whole thing. And the movie theater we go through, uh, it's like a TMX or something, a THX. It's got it's a it's like a uh, it's like a booth. You have a wall on each side. There's two recliners. You fucking table rolls out in front of you. You get food brought to you. It's got all the big fucking you know. 70 I can't do speakers. that. I'll, I fall asleep if I'm sitting in a recliner watching a movie <laughs> in the dark. Theater. I tried for Jurassic Park and I fell asleep. <laughs> Well, it was of, Jurassic Park. I mean, not yeah. the the last one, right? Nah. I don't. Yeah, but think about it. You spend twenty bucks at least on a movie ticket, and you sit through twenty minutes of Maria Menudo talking about all gossip, and then you get twenty minutes of commercials. And depending on the theater chain, it's either Pepsi or Coke, and oh, it's like or that's beer. What you spend to see. Yeah, no, yeah. you never see beer now. And this is and, and this is actual. There's beer in every movie theater. We we have with the, with I, the Regal Cinemas. It's it's one of those recliner ones where you can actually get like food. You, you, yeah, and yeah, then, that's what we have. You get yeah. wine, you can get a, yep. a, a drink. So this one's connected son, to a bowling alley, right? When my son and I go to the movies, we we do that because we go a couple times a year. I love the movie going experience. I I like yeah. the theater experience um, yeah. with the sound. It's just there's something too, you know. Um, but when we do it, like you know, yeah, I'll spend sixty bucks. You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah, it's a night, it's we'll a night it every out. Week, that's okay. But yeah. yeah, but there's people that do that every week. Wow. Yeah. Well, or at least twice a month. You know yeah. what I mean? For yeah. So Jack, uh, Jack Antonoff, do you know who he is? Jack Antonoff. He's uh, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a collaborator with like, uh, uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah. And you know, he, he's, he won a Grammy recently. He's a producer, uh, and songwriter. Um, so he said after the awards, uh, the other night, uh, he said, quote about, uh, dynamic pricing. Uh, the whole thing is incredibly tough. There's no reason why. If I can go online and buy a car and have it delivered to my house, why can't I buy a fucking ticket at the price that the artist wants it to be? So uh, it's this simple, he said. It's that simple. 
He said, uh, Antonov said of the distress, of the distress facing some fans when buying tickets to shows, uh, their, of their favorite acts. He said, and you know, the reason why, and it's not because of the artist. So the artist mm-hmm. does, and I may be guilty of this, but I learned something today. He added, without naming names of any industry ticket agencies in particular, which is Ticketmaster and Live Nation, mm-hmm. they're both the same, really. They are the same company. Uh, quote, so the one thing that I would say while holding a microphone is everybody's got to chill on the artist because everyone's trying to figure it out. We know who's making it impossible. Uh, he also said, um, let me see, Antoff, who was held forth, the topic of touring dynamic pricing. You would like to see the industry allow artists to opt out of the format that often results in sky-high prices of fans. He also uh, stumped for industry to st- uh, stumped for the industry to stop taxing merchandise and mm-hmm. allowing artists to sell tickets at a price they actually believe. Uh, in the wake of January's contentious Senate Judiciary hearings on Ticketmaster, uh, Ineffable Music Group announced the plan to cut merch fees. For the bands at its venues, gee, isn't that nice? Yeah, but they'll just raise other fees. They'll raise other fees, yeah. So it says, uh, don't turn a live show into a free market because yeah. that's really dirty. Charge what you think is fair, but if for one person $50 is nothing and for one person $50 or more is more than they could ever spend, you're creating a situation where a different group of people can come together at one price. The second everything fluctuates is the second it goes K-shaped and turns into a weird free market uh, is not what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, you know, there's two, two camps here. You got musicians who are really hurting cause there's no, there's no album sales anymore. Right. You used to tour behind to sell your album to make money. Now it's your tour to make the money. So they're trying to make money. And then, like you said, you got Ticketmaster and Live Nation. They own everything. They are the promoters. They're, they even own some of the theaters and they have a cut in ticket sale and uh, merchandise it's it's unholy because the promoter is not supposed to be beholden to the Ticketmaster. It, there was a great editorial in the New York Times from a small band. They said even small bands have to deal with this. He said we do small theaters, and the guy I forget the name of the band, but he laid out at the end of the day how much he pays. Blah blah blah. The band is not getting much. Live Nation's getting the money. So he actually said back in November, uh, he tweeted out a similar complaint uh, in which. He blasted the music venues for taking a cut of the artist, the artist's merch sales. Quote, while we were having the discussion, can venues simply stop taxing merch on artists? This is literally the only way you make money when you start yep. out touring, he wrote. The yep. more we make it tenable for a young and small artist, for young and small artists to make a living on the road, the more great music we'll get. Touring is one of the most honest ways to make a living, some of the hardest and most heartfelt work you can do. So why must they fuck the artists so hard? He added a simple solution. Stop taxing merch. Stop lying to the artists about costs of putting on shows. Include artists in more areas of revenue. Uh, The stories I can tell you from my years of touring are bananas. Young artists on tour are the last to see any money. Mm -hmm. Finally, somebody (laughs) comes out and just fucking tells it like it is. But that's what it is. Yeah. The greedy, the greedy corporate. Uh, Greed and avarice, man. That's all it is. I'm going to listen because Bruce Springsteen just started his fucking tour at 2000 a ticket with it, and it sold out already. So there's people willing to pay it. That's what sucks. 
Yeah. And, yeah. Did, and Scott, did you hear about that Bad Bunny show in Mexico City? What happened? Oh, yeah, yeah, the counterfeit tickets. I mean, people came from in, in Mexico. You got people that they're making much less money than us. So they emptied their savings accounts out. And it was people that had legitimate tickets that did that. And what's it fucked in. up is they're saying they automatically assume that the second ticket was the counterfeit ticket. Right. They're right. like, this ticket's already been in. Yours is counterfeit. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So they automatically made them like sound like criminals. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. if I have a counterfeit ticket, I'm getting in there as soon as that door opens. Right. <laughs> and yeah. and you know, like we drive an hour, hour and a half to see a show. Some people traveled for a day to see that show. And that's sad that they got shut out. And they bought their ticket. Now, if you buy counterfeit, yeah, you know, I don't know how, you know, like I've I've gotten screwed buying counterfeit tickets. So if you know you're buying um a scalp ticket. You got to expect that may happen, mm-hmm. but if you buy the legitimate ticket and you <laughs> you spend a lot of money on it, it's sad. It really is. I got locked out of a Who show. I bought a counterfeit ticket. <laughs> Didn't realize it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no, so, so Bruce played in Boca recently or, in, or nearby? No, no, no. He played in Orlando. That's north, Orlando. Uh, yeah, okay. but northern Florida. Yeah, or, or no, I have a, one of those places. I think I have a brother who lives in your town, Scott. In Boca? Yes, he does. Well, my brother, my brother I don't Anthony. need no fucking gangsters. I had enough I have <laughs> drug lords chasing me. I don't need fucking the mafia chasing me. He's going to be knocking on your door in a minute. Yeah, yeah that's okay. If he ever needs help, I, I, I still have a little bit of sway. Well, he, <laughs> he, he works in some of the restaurants, right? But he was telling me that. Um, oh, uh, really? Ma- you got to tell yeah, me which one. Well, it's, it's funny. He, it's a, he just left a place. It's a Greek place. I forgot the name of it. I was speaking to him today. Okay. Um, but there, now, what was the place you went to recently? You said. Was it Arturo's? Uh, no. What, in Boca? Yeah. Or La Sorel? La Sorel. That was when you were telling me about But he was telling me about some of the other places. I said, you know, I'm, I'm guesting on a, a podcast. He knows about you. Um, yeah. So I, I said, wait, I said you mentioned a restaurant recently. And but he was telling me, he goes, he goes, you know, he's worked in several places. So I guess I said, wonder if you guys might have crossed paths at one point. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because yeah, we, yeah. you know, my wife and I are foodies and, and yeah. we like to, you know. And we we like uh we have the same haunts that we like to go to, but we always looking for something uh something new, you know. Oh. And there's always something popping up. Next so. places that I'll let you know. But he was yeah, telling absolutely. me that Max Weinberg's uh, jukebox is playing in Boca tonight, I think. So Max, oh, Max really? yeah. So Bruce played recently. Bruce, the, the East Street Band's on tour, you know, for two thousand dollars a pop or whatever. But Max is doing like these theater shows with his pickup band, and the tickets, you know, I bought one recently four years ago. It was not expensive. But, it's in Boca. It could be the Black Box. The Black Box huh. is one of those, like, it's, it's a, a comedy theater? club. It's a theater. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's right down the street. It's literally like two miles from my house. Hmm. And I've never been there. It's kind of strange. Well, But, uh, so we have, uh, I, this is kind of a no-brainer, I, I think. Uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac may be done, according to hmm. Mick Fleetwood. He said at the hmm. Grammys, the line in the sand has been drawn. Do I really have to go into this article? Like, you better not even fucking think about a money grab without her. Yeah, really. That, that's all yeah. there is to it. Well, they already did it. They already were together really? without Christine. Yeah, they yeah, did. It, it, it sound good. But the, the line in the sand, like, you know, the last gossip about them before Christine passed away was that Stevie wouldn't play with Lindsay and that he was kicked out of the band. Then they were going to go yeah, back. That's right. That's right. But yeah. but I, to continue out, Christine, I think would just be that would be blasphemous. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. She's, I, I, I think we've all talked that. She's like a favorite of ours. I think she's I, the I George really, Harrison of Fleetwood Mac. Everybody. That likes is her. so. That is exactly. That is good. That is good. You know, yeah. Everybody yeah. likes her. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't. That, listen, fucking Stevie Nicks, I, again, I'll say it. I put the video uh, uh, up on my Facebook page. Uh. She looks like a crazy bag lady. I mean, she just <laughs> can't continue. You have to at least tone it down and be, come out come out with, with some, some. Now, I'm not an ageist, as they fucking <laughs> love to say. That's ageism. Yeah, no, no. That's telling you stop wearing the fucking rags yeah. that you wore in the seventies, trying to act like an old a witch. Put on something elegant. Go out in style, like yeah. And and stop with the f- fucking change it. Like she just keeps trying to look the same. She can't let it go, and it, she doesn't look the same. It's kind of like Madonna. Was it on the Jimmy Fallon show, on the Tonight Show, where she started? cavorting oh, on the God. desk and you know oh, she is go for it but I, I i thought that was embarrassing but the same thing you know you've, you've got to grow old gracefully because we're all we all got to grow old hopefully you know she but, looks like that madonna looks like that muppet she looks weird muppet with the big lips and <laughs> yeah the, she does she, with the, the braided hair, hair. Yeah, yeah. I think she was like doc, she was Doctor Zook's backup singer or something. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Look at Lou. Fuck, Lou comes on and just makes a presence right away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Animal, what have animal. you contributed, Mark Smith? I don't know, but I notice when I see Lou's icon, every time he talks, it like grows. He's like a computer. Or, it pulsates. Yeah, 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 it pulsates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm oh, not I wearing suck. any. I'm not Lou wearing any clothes. <laughs> I'm not wearing any clothes. I'm eating a slice of pizza too. <laughs> naked, naked. Of course. Yeah. Are you? Of are course. you Buffalo With a glass Bill? Of chocolate milk. <laughs> here's your pizza and here's the pepperoni. There you go. Hey, Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong. Yeah, buddy. That is great. Did you order a pepperoni pizza? Yes, I did. Well, here's your pizza, and here's the pepperoni. <laughs> Zip. Yep. Exactly. Ah, Luke, see, I got you, buddy. You're I good, man. You. That was good. Yeah, Cheech and Chong. <laughs> My dad loved those albums. Ah, oh, they were the best. I, I I tried to An listen A-track. to one. I tried to listen to one. Um, when I first got back into vinyl some years back, and I have the big bamboo, and I get it with the with the <laughs> the paper still in it, the roll, the giant rolling paper still intact. Yeah. And uh, I tried to listen to it. It just doesn't. Sound it, the same. it doesn't hold up really. It didn't okay. really age well. <laughs> That's why the movies. The best thing they ever did was put that all on film yeah. and convert oh, yeah. those those audio <laughs> into actual live action uh, yeah. Cheech and Chong, and that's where the legend was fucking sealed. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where their legend smart. was sealed. Bailiff whack his pee pee. Bailiff, whack his peepee. <laughs> Leslie Harwinkle. What's, what's the dude's name? Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, oh shit! Uh, the, the the musician. Oh, a, a bl- go bl- blind, <laughs> blind lemon Jefferson. Gal, gonna, gonna sing her a song. Gonna <laughs> show <laughs> her my ding dong. Hey, and you blind, hear the stomp, baby. and he says, "Is he wearing boots?" He goes, "No, that's his foot." That's right. <laughs> boom, boom. And his, his thing was, "Are y'all? Are y'all?" it wasn't Tyrone shoelaces. It was, uh, it, it, it was blind something because they, they blind melon chitlin, blind, blind melon chitlin, <laughs> breaking out the breaking out the here, Cheech and Chong. Me and Lou, look yeah, at really. Mark just walked away from this conversation. Oh no, I'm playing some blues. Mark likes to claim he's very young. You know, have you noticed that? He, he plays, careful, he, Lou. He plays the youth card, and we're not ageist, Mark. You know, we're... Hey, hey, Lou, Lou, careful. If I have to say when I was born, that's ageism. I'll be in trouble. Uh... You, were born the same, you were born the same decade as as, as uh, Scott and I, okay? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, true. You're right. Uh-huh. Young man. 
You were born in the 60s. All right, I got a question for you guys. Let's okay. see who has the answer. Bruce Springsteen's eerie 1982 song, State Trooper, mm. Mr. State Trooper, off of Nebraska, was inspired by which punk rock group? The Misfits, Suicide, or The Damned? I'm going to go with The Damned. Suicide. Mark Smith. <laughs> Lou. Ah. <laughs> Lou still dominates you, Mark. Still oh, dominates. yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. He's young. He's young. He's young. Jeez. I'm a young I'm a young I know. Uh, uh, let me see. What's this one? No, we already know that one. Oh, maybe not. Steve Ray Vaughn played guitar on which hit dance song? Beat it. Ah. Living in America or Atomic Dog? Michael Jackson's Beat It, James Brown's Living in America, or George Clinton's Atomic Dog? Wait, it's Let's Dance. It wasn't Beat It. That's that's Eddie Van Halen, but I thought he was on Let's Dance. Well, that's one of the songs. He was a studio guy, right? Steve Ray Vaughan? Not really, but wow. This is news to me. What was the the last song? Atomic Dog? George Clinton's Atomic Dog, yeah. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, he might have sampled him. Actually, Steve Ray Vaughn played guitar on Living in America. Get out, really? No, I didn't know that. That's what it says right here. Wow. In the rock trivia madness. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, look at that. I didn't even know that. Not that I'm like, I didn't even know that. Don't you like when people say that? Like, I didn't even know that. Like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> the fuck you what do you mean you didn't even know that? That's something Jack would say. Jack would say something like that. Well, I didn't learned. even know he's that. Learned, man. Oh, what, Jack? You didn't know that? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Jack will be back next week. Maybe. Cool. It's up to him. Um, all right, let's do top 10 this week in 1986. You ready? Yay! Uh, 1986, good year. Really good year. I graduated college and was getting ready to go into the Air Force in May of 87. So hmm, Cool. So number 10 this week in 1986, Conga by Miami Sound Machine. Number nine. Uh, really? Number nine this week in 1986, Living in America. <laughs> Starring Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> Uh, Jesus, this, we're just covering them all. Now, number eight this week in 1986 was Talk to Me by Stevie Nicks. Crazy ah, bag lady. Bum, she bum, wasn't bum, a crazy bum, bag bum, lady bum. back then. She was still talk, hot. Talk to me? Talk to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, talk to me? I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, huh. Number seven this week in 1986, Spies Like Us by Paul McCartney. Yeah. Oh, the movie was fucking horrible. The song One of his weaker songs. Yeah. The video who's, who's was horrible. Who's in that video? Who's in that video? Uh, is it Chevy Chase? And there's a couple Chevy. Other, yeah. Chevy yeah. Chase, I think, or something. Oh, God. Um, number six this week in 1986. Kiri Lake is going to go. Oh, yeah. Kiri A. Lake. Mr. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Mr. There you go. Kiri Lake is going to Tell me how to fly. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Uh, number five this week in 1986, 
How will I know by Whitney Houston? How will I know? Wow. Yep. Good memories. Uh, that song. Yeah. Yeah. Number four this week in 1986. When the going gets tough, the tough get going by. Oh. Burr. Oh, come on, guys. When the going gets tough, the tough what is the get genre? going. What's the genre? Is it it's rock pop. or pop? It's pop. Shit. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. I'm lost. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Billy Ocean. Oh, yeah. You've heard it. I'm just That's probably his last. A hundred thousand times. Not That's got to be his last single. I can't last hit, right? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, is it? Does he say Caribbean queen or Caribbean queen? Caribbean queen. Caribbean queen. He, he says he says Caribbean. Are you uh, sure? Caribbean queen. It doesn't go Caribbean, Caribbean queen. queen. It's, queen. Nah, it's, it's Caribbean queen. See now, whoever's listening to this podcast, and you guys, next time you hear that song, you're gonna go. What, what is he saying? See, that's that's the. No, I'm gonna go. The air fuck worm. you, Scott. Fuck I you. Planted the earworm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number three this week in 1986. I'm your man by Wham. Ah. Yeah. Number two this week in Thank 1986. You, Burning Hot by Survivor. Mm. Wow. And number one this week in 1986. That's what friends are for by ah. Dion and Friends. That's what friends are for. Yeah. <laughs> the good times and the bad times. Dion Warwick, right? The, uh, yep. the, aunt, the aunt, aunt of, um, of Whitney Houston. Right? Yeah. Wasn't Stevie Wonder in that? Did he sing in that too? I or? think so. I think yeah, he right. was. Yeah. There was like yeah, four right. of them that sang in there. Yeah. Keep smiling. Keep what smiling. Whatever happened yeah. to Stevie Wonder? He's still around. Oh, that, know. he doesn't really have to do much anymore. He's, he's no. I think he's getting divorced. I think he's he's getting a divorce or something. Wife oh, number wow. six. Yeah, It'll probably wife number six or something. He was. They amazing. stick around just long enough to get a little piece of that coin. Yeah, that's right. And if you have some kids, that's insurance. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Guaranteed universal uh, income. Time for this day in music. Yay! Right. On this day in 2020, let's go start recent and go backwards. Roddy Rick was at number one in the U.S. charts with his debut studio album, Please Excuse Me for Being Antisocial. The album, the album later won Album of the Year at the 2020 BET Awards, and Apple Music named it Album of the Year, where it was 2020's most streamed album globally. Huh. See, we can be modern. I've never fucking heard that. Me, me neither. <laughs> uh, on this day in 2015, British soul singer Sam Smith won four Grammy Awards in the U.S., including the prestigious prizes for Record and Song of the Year with Stay With Me. It's actually a good song. It and is. Best New Artist. Album of the Year went to Beck for Morning Phase. Hmm. On this day, in t- is Jack here? Is Jack? <laughs> he's, uh, Jack he's, he's, he's channeling. Mark, Mark is, is channeling Jack. Jack. Did Jack sneak in? Someone's got to hold Jack's torch. It's like a seance. Jack, are you joining us? At least it's not an acoustic guitar. Jesus. Um, On this day in 2013, L.A. Superior Court Judge Charles Palmer threw out a claim by Axl Rose of fraud and misrepresentation against Guitar Hero 3. Rose claimed that his deal with the company is light to license the song Welcome to the Jungle for use in the game included a promise from Activision that no images of Slash would be used in the game. <laughs> wow. Later, both Maroon 5 singer Adam Levine <laughs> and Gwen Stefani's band, no doubt, sued the company over their own portrayals in Band Hero. 
a Guitar Hero series spinoff. That was that was I never played it. I wasn't a video game guy, but that was huge for the longest time. Yeah, guitar players don't have to play it. I was yeah, probably not. Probably but Slash not. can't be in it. Uh, let's see. Uh, on this day in 2013, a report on the rise of digital music showed that one of five consumers, 19.6%, bought all their music as downloads. The report said that 27.7% of UK music fans purchased downloads from stores such as iTunes or Amazon or stream songs on services like Spotify or YouTube and that the streaming market was now worth £49 million to record labels, which is about fifty-five million American dollars. Buy the fucking CD. On this, hey, hey, Lou, do you know who Keith Kundesen Nundesen is? Uh, he he was a a drummer for the Doobie Brothers. I think. Look at you, fucking. Wow, I knew Lou would know that. I knew it. On this day, how do you pronounce his name? Knudsen. Knudsen. I, I, I think it's like Knudsen. Knudsen. Yeah. Knudsen. It's, it's a conundrum. Swedes. Those Swedes. You never Those know. Swedes. Like. You never know. <laughs> No. We had spellings. I don't know. It's dark. Um, American rock drummer, vocalist, and songwriter Keith Knudsen from the Doobie Brothers died of pneumonia at age 56. Well, what year hmm. was that? That was uh, in 2005. Hmm. The Doobie Brothers scored the 1975-79 U.S. number one single with What a Fool Believes and 1993 U.K. number seven single Long Train Running. He founded the band Southern Pacific with fellow Doobie brother John McPhee. Wow. Now, I agree with this. I agree with this next one, and I still think she is a very beautiful woman. But on this day in 2005, Kylie Minogue was voted the world's sexiest woman in her 30s by UK, UK Magazine. I, I'll give her that. I'll give her that. I'll give her that. What a great song. What a great song. I love that song. Look, I'm a Kylie fan. I, I, I always was. Scott. Got it, that, it, it, locomotion. Yeah. I like the way she did locomotion. The first song he sang, I drive through the Lincoln Tunnel at 2 a.m. playing that. It's, it's mind all can't the Lincoln Lincoln you out of my head. Boy, <laughs> you're all that a girl could think about. That's a great. And she, you see the video. She's fucking hot. Yeah. She's hot. And that's about the time it came out. So I, what, I was it, wasn't she one of those page five girls? What they call in England? What, what is it? The, the, no, she was she she was Australian. She came out like this oh. wholesome Debbie Gibson, yeah, uh, right. Australian version of Debbie Gibson, and did locomotion. You know, beautiful blonde oh, yeah. hair, blue eyes, smile. I remember perfect scene, and she just kind of took off. She dated uh, Michael Hutchinson, Michael Hutchinson for a little while. I'm in excess, in excess, yeah, huh. yeah. yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see. She was voted world sexiest woman in her 30s by UK Magazine. Good housekeeping. Sade, still sexy. Still sexy. Yeah. High forehead and everything. That's right. It's part of her look, though. <laughs> was voted number four. Five head. In the over 40s with Madonna. Not today, Madonna. 2005 <laughs> Madonna. Coming in at number seven. Right? And Madonna today wouldn't even make the list of top 300. She is just a plastic surgeon. She's starting to look like <laughs> starting to look like Pete Byrne from 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 uh, uh, Dead or Alive. <laughs> also, did you did see that, need- that poor bastard? That guy, hey, that guy went through a lot of shit, man. Pete Pete Byrne went through a lot in his life, uh, and you know he became the lead singer of Dead or Alive. You spin me right, right. but then he had all this plastic surgery, right, right. and it really fucked him up. The 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 
the, uh, the, whatever it is, uh, the, the prescription drugs that went with it, fucked him up and poor bastard. But, uh, yeah. So let me see Madonna, uh, coming in seven and Jerry Hall at number eight and Sharon Osbourne was voted into third place in the over fifties section. I don't see uh, that. No, I, I think there's better candidates for that. Yeah, Nothing in yeah. Third place. So there must not have been a, she might've came three out of three, third place out of three people. She's a power player. She's a power player. Oh, in a big way. Yeah. 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 Uh, let me see. It was a sad day on this day in 2002. Bob Wooler. You know who Bob Wooler is? Yes. Bring it. He was, a, he was a disc jockey that helped break the Beatles in England. Look at this. God damn. Look at this. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> is this is this the anniversary of the party where Lennon beat the shit out of him? John Lennon. I don't know. No, he he died. Okay. <laughs> he died on this day. Did John Lennon kill him? I don't know. There, there, there's a story in the Beatle book where he um he accused John Lennon went on vacation with Brian Epstein, who was gay, and went to Spain in the beginning. It was a non apparently a non sexual thing, but Bob Wooler made a comment to John Lennon at a party about him and Brian Epstein being gay. So Lennon beat the crap out of him. <laughs> well, Lennon was gay. <clears throat> but was he? It's starting to leak out that he uh, he was yeah, at least really? by. All these little no stories shit. started. Yeah, I could, yeah, I could just hear the, the fuck you, mate, and then the punch. And the yeah, there was, there was some stories that came out that, that say that there's a good chance that he probably was. Huh. Meet the, uh, beat the Meatles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe, maybe those rumors were true. Sometimes yeah. you know, if, it walks, if it walks like a duck, it's a duck. Right, um, he was very effeminate too. If you really, anyways, that's not. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna get uh, John Lennon's is John Lennon. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, yeah, Bob Wooler died at the age of 76. He was the resident DJ and booker at the Cavern Club in Liverpool during the early 1960s. Wooler introduced the Beatles to their manager Brian Epstein. There we go. There well. you go. Fucking Lou. Look at you. I, I, I worked for a guy when in the 80s um, in graphic arts. He was English. He was Irish, but he lived in Liverpool. And I had a, the Lennon biography. Not the William Goldman one, which was a kind of a trash thing. But he goes, I saw the Beatles at the Cavern Club. I believe them, too. He was, he was wow. the proper age. But he goes, he goes, they were good. He goes, you know, but the Cavern Club was everything they said it was. It was stinky and sweaty and dank. Yeah. yeah. But, like, like you know, uh, 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 what was it? Um in New York, the uh, CBGBs. CBGBs. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been. Mark, have you ever been there? Yeah. It's it's everything. It wasn't a good experience for me. It's everything they said it was. I went yeah. to the bathroom. I had to see the bathroom. It was fucking disgusting. With Deborah, <laughs> with, with Deborah Harry was getting plowed by what's his name Stein <laughs> Chris, in the bathroom. Chris Stein. Yeah. Not Chris now. Stein. Not now. Get no, out. Not that. Not that night. But I, I walked in. I'm like, I I wouldn't. I I would piss anywhere else except for that bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on this day in 1994, Oasis were forced to cancel their first foreign tour after they were deported from Holland. I love that group. <laughs> the band were involved in a drunken brawl on a cross-channel ferry, resulting in members of the band being arrested and locked in the brig on the ferry. <laughs> There's a brig on a ferry? That's they have great. a brig? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you got it. It's all That's the great. seafaring boats have to have a holding place. Yeah, Especially you, when you're you dealing with England. Drunk Englishmen? Yeah. Come on. Any commuter wow. stuff, I guess. Uh, let's see. On this day in 1992, UK act Right Said Fred started a three-week run at number one. Can't deny them. They have one of the one-hit wonders, right? One-hit wonder. 
They, they, they have one of the most popular sure. one-hit wonders <laughs> of the 90s. In the catwalk. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know something? It, it, I thought it was a stupid song in a way, but it's, it's if it's catchy, it's catchy. It's but entertaining. You gotta, yeah, it's you got to keep catchy. If you find yourself humming it and tapping your foot, what? why not? Why yeah. Not? Um, on this day, it's a sad day. On this day in 1990, suffering from depression, American singer-songwriter Del Shannon died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, Hmm. You know, he did run away. I could go yeah. into the whole thing, but yeah, that's that was too bad. He was he was being considered to be the replacement Woolbury for Roy Orbison. Ah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So here you go, gentlemen. Here you go. On this day in 1986, Billy Ocean started this into serendipitous mm. shit. Billy Ocean started a four-week run at number one in the UK single charts with When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going, featured from the film. Cool Runnings? No, the Jewel of the know. Nile. Wait, Jewel of the Nile, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Jewel of the but, Nile. Did, did it, but then they also have, a, wait, was that a was that Michael Douglas? Michael and, Douglas and uh, and what's her name? And, uh, uh, Kath, oh, uh, wait, she was in Body Heat. Catherine, uh, uh, hep, uh, Catherine uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, darling. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was her name? Catherine, Kathleen Turner. Kathleen, yeah, Kathleen. Didn't they also have um, Romancing the... No, they did... Rom- Romancing the Stone was another one. Well, I'm getting confused. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah the Jewel one in the Nile, either one of them. That was Jewel the Nile was the second one that was in the was Middle it? East. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the video was banned in the UK because it featured non-musician union members. Wow. On this day in Scabs. 1983, this was a one-hit wonder hottie. I, I tell you... She was very un- she was a hottie, an, an 80s, 80s hottie. Uh, on this day in 1983, winners at the second annual Brit Awards held in London include Paul McCartney, who won Best British Male Solo Artist, and Kim Wilde. She was oh, wow. hot. Kids yeah. in America. The Kids in America. Yeah, she won uh, Best British Female Solo Artist. Dire oh, Straits cool. won for uh, <clears throat> British, uh, won British Group, British Breakthrough Act, went to Yazoo. Who I talked about earlier with Allison Moyet. Uh, is all this fucking, it's all interacting. It's all, yeah. Twining, yeah. International act was Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Best selling single. My favorite, I think, at least in my top three. Easy. Best selling single. Dexy's Midnight Runners. Come on, Eileen. My mm. one of top three best one hit wonders ever. Okay. And the, I, life, I the life of, huh? I agree, and I love how they say, come on, Eileen. It's just right, perfect with the rhythm. Come on, Eileen. It's, it's one that gets in your head, and you can't get out of your head. He also, he also has one of those. get you out of my head. He has one of the most embarrassing solo album covers, apparently. Oh, uh, he really, yeah, he should have just uh, stuck to the one hit one. Day, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty um, hot stuff, man. Yeah, not good, <laughs> yeah, okay. not good. What's his name, no, Kevin? Uh, Kevin Rowland. Kevin Roland, Roland yeah, <laughs> lead singer. Uh, on this day in 1981, R.E.M. made their first ever recording sessions Ooh. at Bombay Studios, Smyrna, Georgia. Tracks included, give me give me one track. They, they list three. Give me one track. So this is the first ever recording session. What would from you think? From R.E.M. From R.E.M. Before they went to drive-in studios. Wow. I'm going to say Radio for Europe. That's one. There you go. And Gardening, Gardening at, at Night. Gardening at Night. And give me the the the, the third one. Lou, if you pull this one off. Uh, come on, man. Come on. Wolves man. Lower. 
I was going to say, if you got this, you better have a podcast, and I, I just could only hope to guest host on yours. Oh, I, I, I don't think I got it, though. <laughs> don't go back to Rockville. No kidding. Wow. That yeah. song is that old. That don't was on their second record. Don't go back to Rockville. Yep. Oh, cool, uh, on this day in 1980, the divorce became final between David Bowie and his wife, Angie. He won custody of their son, Zoe, now known as Joe. Good move. Uh, Angie received 30 thousand pounds or a $51,000 settlement. Didn't she try to go after him again for more money or something? I believe what, there was what, a follow was up Angie, to that. What was Angie's last name? So is, is he called Joe Bowie? That's bad. Yeah. Joe Joey Bowie. Bowie. Yes. Joe <laughs> Bowie. <laughs> Joe Bowie. You doing? What are you doing? Joe Bo. What's up? Joe Bo. <laughs> Joe Bo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on this day, uh, let me see. <laughs> this day. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Bowie. Joe Bo. Yo, yo, Joe Bo. Yo. What am I, an asshole or something? What am I? Yeah, what am I? What am I here? Fucking salami. <laughs> On this day in 1977, Marquee Moon, the debut album of what American rock band? Television. Look at fucking. <laughs> Thank you. Enough of that. I'm better hey, Scott, when I'm not on camera. Yeah. Scott, I just recently listened to Marky Moon for the first time fucking after great. hearing the guy died. Yeah, the guy died. Great yeah, album. Yeah. Great album. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that uh, album I, that was not a, it was an unexpected album. There was some good stuff in there. Yeah. It was met with widespread acclaim. It was hailed by critics as an original musical development in rock music. Marky Moon also proved to be a foundational record of alternative rock as television's innovative post punk instrument uh, instrumentation for the album strongly influenced the new wave and indie rock movements of the 1980s and rock guitar playing in general yeah the record didn't sell shit either it didn't sell that could be my that could be my stage name marky moon marky moon smith uh, yeah, there you go go out on marky, tour marky just, moon schmitty just <laughs> make sure they don't take any of your uh your merch money uh, yeah, right. <laughs> on this day in 1975, Bob Dylan, I don't care. On this day in 1973. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 what did care. he do in 73? Come on, man. All right. Yeah. Oh, only because you answered some crazy fucking questions tonight, Lou. <laughs> don't you. do it for uh, me. Do it for Lou. <laughs> Bob Dylan, I won't do it for you with the guitar guy, with guitar hero over there. <laughs> fucking Jack. Uh, on this day in 1975, Bob Dylan went to number one in the U.S. chart with his 15th studio album, Blood on the Tracks. Jack would be like, that's a great album. I don't know what you don't like. That's a great, <laughs> fantastic. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It is a good album. So, uh, Anyways. <laughs> I'll the play a song off it. <laughs> The album has become one of Dylan's all-time best-selling studio releases with a double yeah. platinum U.S. certification by the Recording Industry. And Jack would be saying, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not. A Shut up, Jack. Look, I'm, having this, I'm having this conversation in my head <laughs> with Jack. It's a, a pre-planned conversation. This is great. <laughs> I, I just play it out as it goes. Uh, on this day, it was a sad day on this day in 1973 to all Woodstock goers. Max Yeager died of a heart attack at age 53. Wow, 53. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. He was the owner of the dairy farm I, in Bethel, New York, in which Woodstock Music and Art Fair. Art Fair. Do you ever fucking hear about the Art Fair? What the no. fuck Art Fair? <laughs> what Art Fair? Like no out of the fucking fuck. 250,000, was there somebody selling fucking paintings there? Yeah, really. Like, really? Art Fair? Yeah. You, they they yeah. didn't even put that on the album. They didn't even put Woodstock <laughs> Art Fair. No. Fucking, Really? Like, how can they just put art? That should have been left off. That should have just been totally cut off. Woodstock music and art fair. Really? <laughs> they were going to cats they on, even cats say on that velvet on the concert fucking posters that are still floating around. Like, yeah, yeah, but you know, they wanted to have it in the town of Woodstock. If you, if you, that would have been. They thought it was going to be some small thing. They didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Yeah. Fucking art yeah. fair. Has but. anyone ever popped up and said, "Hey, look." I got this painting that I bought at Woodstock. Look at this. I I didn't go to the concert. I I got Elvis on Velvet. I bought this painting at Woodstock. There was some music going on in the background, but look at the detail of the seagull. There's there's dirty, muddy hippies. Yeah, yeah. Look at look at it's on it's on uh, it's on felt. It's on a felt screen. Like, wow, look at this. I, I, bought a, poker. I bought a painting of Woodstock and I dropped it in the mud. Yeah. Look, look at this painting I got at Woodstock of these dogs playing poker. Look at this. It was some an guy original. Just sold I'm it to you. me. It was a some guy bought it at the pawn shop. The guy said this this was part of the Woodstock Music and Art Fair. He, there's even a, a sticker on the back that says Woodstock Music and Art Fair. But but did you know there's a China in New York? It says made in China. It must be. Yeah, there's a Chinatown. So <laughs> so you're saying you that Max, Max Jasger died of a heart attack? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 53. Probably, I'm 53. Look, if he, that fucking concert didn't kill him, you would think the guy would last forever. Well, if he was a dairy farm, maybe he drank a lot of his own milk and drank yeah. a lot of his own cheese. Just think, know? there's people out there, maybe, still alive, I'm sure, that said, I fucking sat... On Max Yeager's front porch, mm. I sat on his front porch and drank a beer and listened to the music. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Like back then, that would be nothing. But as as the legend grew, imagine being the dude like I'm fucking drinking beers with Max Yeager on his front porch yeah. while the concert was going on. We could hear everything. But but yeah. not not being part of that because <laughs> I, I read that thing when the band played. They said it was a ripped army of mud people. It was just like you know, <laughs> that's not that's not my scene. You know, I just, I don't like yeah. some distance. So to sit on Max Yasker's porch would be the best thing. Like they said, Scott, that'd be a great story if someone could say like we heard the concert but didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, I was all drinking that beer with Max. Acid casualties or whatever, whatever is going on there. You know, hey, and then later hey, when- on he broke out the moonshine that he was making. Max. Max. Hey, when I went to Woodstock and Saugerties in 90, the first one, not the one in Rome, the first one, my dad, because he was a local, was able to get me the closest parking lot for parking so we could just sit in the parking lot. And because we didn't want to be, it was muddy. Same thing. Yeah. We had the best of it. We sat on my friend's truck, had beer, and we listened to Aerosmith. We listened to hmm. uh, nice. all the good stuff. You know, we went down when we felt like it. Like, you want to go down today? Yeah, let's go down. You know, yeah. that we had you, you, your nice. father was a, a Woodstock resident. Uh, but near right. Pine Hill, was, and he was he was within. Oh, Pine Hill, okay. Yeah, I've driven I've driven to, I've driven to Pine Hill on my way to New Paltz to go hiking. Oh, Pine Hill's a great town too. It, it's a beautiful area. It really is. Yeah, that, yeah. that's that's the uh, the foothills of the, of the Catskills. Yes. Are, are, are yes, you guys yeah. done talking about fucking New York tourism? I'm hey. sorry, man. We're it's almost, beautiful in can, the fall, can, man. Can, can we move on from the New York tourism? 
There might be somebody in Idaho that's listening that likes to hear it. Yeah. Well, I would say go to upstate New York. Fuck New York City. Way overrated. Way, way, way overrated. I like New York City. It's too expensive. So nice they had to flush it Too fucking expensive. Yeah. It's too fucking expensive, man. Uh, Let me see. On this day in 1968, the Band of Joy. Does it ring Mm -hmm. a bell? Yeah. Robert Plant. And? Bottom. Yep. Made their first London appearance supporting Edwin Starr. Wow. Isn't that, uh, isn't he? uh, 25 mile war. Yeah. Good God. Good God. (laughs) He was great. Oh, yeah. He did, did, uh, was it Secret Agent Soul Man? That was his third hit. Yep, yep. 25 Uh, miles. They supported Edwin Starr at the Marquee Club in London, England. Uh, Uh, Let me see. On this day, and on this day in 1964, with Louie Louie by the Kingsman under FBI investigation for containing obscene lyrics. Well, at least we know. (laughs) See, I keep saying the 60s. In the fucking in this genre, it's 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 this gen this decade is the sixties on steroids. Like mm. meaning what? The FBI was going after fucking obscene lyrics. Well, yeah, yeah. Now they're going after fucking parents that are fighting with fucking school committees. So it's all the same. It's, it's all the shifted. same. It's shit. Yeah, it's they they're fucking wasting their time. But anyways, the songs publishes offered a thousand dollars to anyone. Who could definitively distinguish the dirty words? I felt my bone in her hair. I felt my bone in her hair. Well, (laughs) just definitively distinguish the dirty words. All right, let's move on to Born on This Day. Born on This Day in 1980, Cameron Muncy. Cameron Muncy, guitarist from Australian rock band Jet. Are you going to go, are you going to go, not dun, 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 right? Uh, Long brown hair, bum, bum, yeah. dun, dun. They were yeah. Australian. Good song. Yeah. yeah, that was a good song. They know be they my girl. Are you going to be my girl? Oh, yeah. That's right. Great riff. Um, born on this day in 1977, Dave Farrell. Dave Phoenix Farrell, bassist with Linkin Park. Hmm. Uh Born in the state in 1974, Dehomen Cristo. Why does that ring a bell? AKA Guy Man. Right? Mm-hmm. Guy Man Dehomen Omem Cristo. French electronic musician with Daft Punk. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, Got to keep things recent, right? Uh, born in the state in 1969, Polly. Formana. Who's Paulie? Hey, Paulie. Paulie. You know who that is? Paulie My Lou's going to know this one. Paulie from. He's not going to know this. But born in, born in what, what year? Uh, 1969, New Zealand singer, songwriter, Paulie Fumana. Give me, give us a hint. Something. Well, he's from New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> he scored a 1995-96 international hit. Oh, I'm not going to get it. How bizarre. How bizarre. That I think that jump around I think is, is the greatest one hit wonder ever. But I think my favorite, if I was gonna say it's either How Bizarre or Come on Eileen. I fucking no. love that song, How Bizarre. It, it's very it, it's catchy. such it has- a great, catchy, 
What's that? That's like a Spanish sound. It's trumpet. Yeah, in it. na, na, na. It's the guitar. Na, na, na. It's like yeah. a Spanish yeah. guitar. Ooh, yeah. baby. Ooh, baby. You're Very making catchy. me crazy. Hmm. Every time I look around. Every time I look around. Every time. If around, you look at baby. these songs, the lyrics are so simple. There's nothing like. It's not earth shattering. It's, it's not just revealing. such a cool fucking song. It's a happy it's, it's, song. It's a cool riff. It's got melody, but it's got the, the lyrics make sense. How bizarre! How bizarre! It's, it's, and and it's the rhythm of the lyrics. Come on, hooky. Eileen. How bizarre! Yeah. How bizarre! Very hooky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he died on January thirty first, twenty ten, eight days before his forty first birthday. He Jeez. had a disease that replicated AIDS. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, but it was yeah. not AIDS. He, he had an immune system, but it wasn't. Oh, uh, wow. That was the thing that that was going around when he passed away. They said, "Oh, he died of uh, HIV or AIDS," and um, but that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. And he he his legend. I saw a uh, I, I watched these little shorts on uh, like hip hop and, and music and stuff like that. And one of them had to do with with him in New Zealand. And he was uh, he was a native. He was uh, OMC was uh, uh, not the original Millionaires Club. O stood for like where they were from, but they were native. They were like uh, Aborigine out to Australia. They were native to yeah. New Zealand. Yeah. Um, yeah, him and his sister uh, were in the band because he says Sister Zena in in the song. All right, born in this day in 1961. Here we go. Mentioned him earlier. Vince Neil. All right. I don't even go any further than that. Vince Neil, born on February eighth, nineteen sixty-one. Yep. Uh, born in this day in nineteen forty-eight, Dan Seals. Wow, Seals. Who recently Seals passed away, right? This past year. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yep. from uh, England, Dan and John Ford Coley. Yep. Uh, well, I, well, actually, he, wait, he, he was the brother of England, Dan. This says Dan Seals, American musician Dan Seals from England, Dan and John Ford Coley. Wait, 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 wait where did he die? Uh, had the, he died. Oh, he didn't die. Okay. Yeah, he died on March 25th, 2009. His brother died. That, that's, Jim Seals died this year. Jim Seals died. Jim, that's okay. Was, oh, yeah. Seals and Crofts. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, talented brothers, though. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was the younger brother of Seals and Crofts member Jim Seals. Uh, born on this day in 1946, Lou. Who is this? Adolfo de la Para. I can't hear over Mark's guitar playing. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Adol- he, really, he, he was really wanting me to mute him. I think he was. He's really. No, no, no. My, I had my microphone you, Lou. I was really trying to, to to ignore that because you know. <laughs> What's but, going on? Uh, Sorry, Anyways, Sorry, I, I forgot the I forgot the question. Adolfo. Now you know what you know what Lou. I haven't done it all show. Mark, you're in the penalty box. He's, he, he's oh, yes, I've he's been there. The I've been there. Box. It's yeah. it's terrible. He's in the box right now. It's, it's in cold. The box. <laughs> it's cold and it's black and white on my screen. It's black and white. He's he's acting like I'm I'm uh, like a pantomime in a box. He's got his hands, his fingers are spread. Now he's giving me the finger. He's got like yes. ten seconds left. He got thirty seconds in the box. He's he, he's taking his clothes off. Wait a minute! Oh now. God! I'm, I'm glad the camera. All right, three, two, one. All right, he's back. Behaving. Hi guys, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. Don't, you don't want to go in the box again? Uh, Lou, who is Adolfo de la Para? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. 
Mexican me drummer give me, give with me American a band. I'm going down to Canned Heat. Yep. See, I told oh, you, I don't. I, I forgot the words, wow. but, but the, you know the, the, the voice. The, I, I got the melody. Yeah, that's, that's the Kurt, Kermit the Frog voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mexican drummer El Dolfo de la Para, wow. uh, drummer with the band Canned Heat, who had the 1970 UK number two and number 26. Let's work together. That's a great uh, song. Hit. He also played with some of the greatest blues singers of our time, including Big Joe Turner, T-Bone Walker, Albert Collins, and the one and only John Lee Hooker. Wow. That's big. That's big. Uh, Born in this day in 1943, Creed Bratton. Ooh. Where have you heard that name? Lou can't get this. Nobody can. Uh, Creed Wait, Bratton. Oh, think, shit. All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead. Think TV show. Oh shit. Okay, Creed Bratton yeah. right. from Grassroots, who had the 1968 U.S. number five single "Midnight Confessions" Midnight plus Confessions. 13 other U.S. top 40 singles. He is more recently known for playing a fictional version of himself on The Office. Wow. On NBC. That is freaking cool. <laughs> Creed, wow. Like his wow. real name is Creed Ratton. He plays I, I, a fictional part. Like, and he's dude, insane. That is one of the greatest characters ever written into a it? TV show. Wow. I, I, have, I haven't seen it, but I've seen The Office, but not his. Uh, Perry, Perry burned me a copy of The Grassroots Greatest Hits, which I listened to recently. So wow. I, I did a little research on them. <clears throat> but th- that, that name stuck in my head. But you know, all the songs are kind of the same. But yeah, Creed Bratton was it's cool, since his real name. He was in the fucking grassroots. That's pretty wow. cool. And that character is fucking demented. Hilariously wow, really, dark really. and demented. Oh wow. man. Total he, fucking psychopath. But he died. Huh? No, did, did he die? It's his birthday or did, did he die? No, this was his it's his birthday. It's his birthday. birthday. Okay. Yeah. How, how old is he? Uh, he was born in 43. 70. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And finally, born on this day in 1942, Terry Melcher, who was behind hits by The Birds, Ry Cooter, and The Beach Boys. The son of actress Doris Day, he co-wrote Kokomo for The Beach Boys and produced Mr. Tambourine Man for The Birds, as well as hits for The Mamas and The Papas. Melcher died November 19th, 2004, age 62, after a long battle with skin cancer. Lou, I know you know all about him. He he was also a target of the Manson family. Oh, he was he, a target, huh? Yeah. He, in fact, the, the, the night of the that was it August eighth, whatever, and ninth. He 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 was one. He it could have been him. He might it might have been one of the houses, but I think uh, Charlie Charlie M was targeting him because I think he he might have been the guy that produced his demos or had so or he might have passed on Manson. But he he uh, was one of the one of the targets of the Manson. They, they, they were considering. Hacking him the bits, you know, but um, Terry Melcher, yeah, it's our state. One way to put it, yeah, <laughs> hack him the bits. That's it, Dark well, humor. gentlemen. Death to piggies. Hey, Scott, two hours, fifteen Scott, minutes. What's up? I, one I have a thing. One Scott, thing. I, I yeah. had to fact check you because I really didn't believe Steve Ray Vaughan was on that song, so I had to do a fact check. He was on it. His name on the single was called T.I.L. Hmm. I guess for contractual reasons, but he was pissed because when you heard the final mix, you can't hear him. He was buried in it. So yeah. he, like you, they say, so oh, wow. yeah, that's, I'm, I'm amazed he was on that. There you cool. go. 
There you Scott, go. I have a question for you, Scott. Yeah. You served in the Philippines, right? Uh, two years. Okay. Are you familiar with the military order of the caribou? No, I'm not. It, it's some, it, our general manager at work, his father has a military history. The family does. He, um, there's this thing of people who served in, in the Philippines in certain areas are members of this society. That's like a, a group, secret of the caribou. So he went to, um, this gathering in Washington, DC, like four blocks from the white house this past weekend, his father's a member, his grandfather's a member. So his father was like one of those weird battles. There's something famous in, in the Philippines where like Admiral Halsey was like someone that had to lead these guys into certain deaths. So there's this thing that goes on, but Anyway, so he was at this meeting, and you mentioned the Doobie Brothers earlier, and it's this big, I forgot the name of the group, but you know, they had these big dinners, they had the wine, the cigars, this, the whiskey come out. Jeff Skunk Baxter of the Doobie Brothers was at this, at this wow. gathering. So what he does is, so Skunk Baxter, he, he was a very educated guy. He designs missile defense systems now. He works with the Pentagon. He works for Grumman as a consultant. So he went from being the Doobie Brothers and Silly Dan to being he was he was researching algorithms related to recording technology. And he came upon this thing where about counterterrorism, where he's finding technology is used for other means than what it was originally intended for. For example, using airplanes as weapons to take down the World Trade Center. So what he did it with his recording music career, and he's a great guitar player. The guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. turned it into a, a career where he almost ran for Congress in in um in California. But you know, he's so he's testified before Congress. He's a consultant, but he designs missile defense systems out of some fluke algorithm he found for recording technology. But he was at this meeting wow. this past weekend. It's, it's, it's like you know the Bohemian Club or whatever. It's, it's guys, you know, they're, they, they're it's a networking thing. But they're all ex-military. But they all served in the Philippines. So I know you did some time in the Philippines. But I wonder I if you heard. Yeah. But but when you mentioned the Doobie Brothers with Keith Knudsen this morning, I was talking to the guy. I said, "Well, I'm going to be on a podcast tonight." And I'd like to mention this because, you know, Jeff Skunk Baxter, you know, most people don't know he's a guitar player, but the guy's a brilliant mind. And so now he works, you know, works for the Pentagon. He's got all the security clearance. Yeah. But, uh, wow. And yeah, you'd never amazing. think so. You'd never think same. In no, the no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, or you know, I, I was, the I always thought he was, the I always thought he was blind yeah. because, you know, he, he wore sunglasses. He always played sitting down a lot. So I thought he was blind, but remember the yeah. old TV show, what's happening? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> rerun, rerun, and Raj. Hey, rerun, Raj. and Raj. Yeah, <laughs> they bootleg a Doobie Brothers performance. I remember that the, episode. The Doobie Brothers. They they played on the show. So Jeff Skunk Baxter was on. On what's happening? <laughs> ah, nice, nice. Yeah. Look at Lou finishing strong. Thank you. I'm making up for strong. my. I'm making up for fucking up early in the beginning. That's how. Hey, listen. Now we know. You just it's come Mr. on with the, with the pulsating Lou thing. Yeah, and I and I'm, I'm sorry. I play down. guitar. I'll never do it again. No, you will. But I know you will. It's. <laughs> I can't control that. I can't control yeah, that. You can. you can put me in the green room. I'll. I'll, I'll no, I'll put you in, the, the, in the box. box. Put you in the penalty <laughs> box. I'll put you in the milk crate. You're gonna be stuck. That's what it's called. You're in the milk crate. You're stuck in the milk crate. That's it. That's it. Well, gentlemen. Like I always say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I always appreciate your time. I always, always appreciate your input, your knowledge, your, your humor. Uh, it's always a good time. It's never just a no. It's the, we're two hours and twenty <laughs> minutes. It can't. It's not ever a, a one hour or one hour and fifteen minute podcast. <laughs> not even if there's just two of us doing it. It's I just, know if it was me, it would have been an hour and a half. Lou I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no, no. 
But uh, Lou, I'm glad you made the recovery and you finished Thanks, at least man. the second half of the podcast, yeah. right? Thank so you. That's, that's good. And uh, yeah, I'll so I think Jack's back next week. But if he's not, one of these shows, I want to get us all on there. Maybe yeah. in two weeks from now, we'll Love get cool. all four of us on there. And uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's always a fun show. It's fun with you guys. It's kind of fun with Jack. He just annoys me sometimes with his fan club, the Jack fan oh, club. Oh, come on, you too. But, but I will say, <laughs> no, no, I will say, like I said last week, all the guys seem to like Jack, but all the girls seem to love Scotty. So, you know, just there saying. There you go. Just saying. LL Cool Scott. That says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, I want to thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you like it, share it. If you don't like it, well, thanks for listening this long. You listened for a long time. <laughs> you fell asleep. you didn't asleep. like it. <laughs> but keep not liking it if that's the case. Um it's always a pleasure to do this for you. Uh, like I always say, you are the engine that runs this machine. Without you, I would just be talking to Mark and Lou and still having a good time talking about music <laughs> and doing this podcast for you. To quote my favorite artist, Marcy, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. And I'll see you next week uh, with or without Jack. Maybe these two guys, the, the greatest utility players in pod, music <laughs> podcast history. <laughs> Lou, Lou is on fire tonight. He came <laughs> back. It's like it's like he was in a slump, and all of a sudden he just hits like three three triples in a row. <laughs> I feel guilty. <laughs> Which is easy. It's hotter than hitting three home runs. Hitting three, <laughs> three triples in a row. It's hotter than hitting three home runs. Thank all you. right, everybody. I'll see you next week. Thanks. Take it easy. All right.